Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play with Streampunks. Uh, tonight is obviously a very big episode for us as we are bidding farewell to Clear Skies. So we thank everybody for joining us tonight for our big finale. And thank you to VOD Squad uh, out there, because I know there's a bunch of ya who didn't get a chance to watch this live, but we see you and we love you. VOD Squad has been a huge source of uh, of of encouragement for us and we thank you so much for tuning in anytime you can and joining us um gonna be a little on the light side with announcements i'm gonna do my announcements last uh so before we kick things off does anybody have any they would like to get out of the way yes xander going for the initiative role nicely done Sorry, just to get it quickly out of the way, yep. uh, I've got a pretty busy week this week for uh, tabletop stuff. Check my Twitter for my full schedule, but things that are sort of special are this Wednesday, I'm storytelling Vampire the Masquerade over on Hyper RPG for oh, Zach and Malika. So uh, we're going to be doing, I think I can say, we're going to be doing a Thin Blood adventure that I'm very excited for. Uh, and then on this Friday, I will return to LA by night playing my character X. So keep an eye on the uh, World of Darkness Twitch for that as well. Yay, lovey night. Yay. All right. This business card's uh, an X card. <laughs> yep. Uh, Gina. Uh, yeah. Um, just uh, the next month, the month of October, we are going to be playing the part two of the Sorority of the Unordinary, the KLX. Um, over with the lovely Becca Scott, and it's wonderful. Bridget, uh, Bridget Jeffries and Paula Deming and I return as our characters from the first season, and we're inevitably going to die. You can't survive two seasons, so please come watch and support us and join our tears. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Aki. Oh, too late. Too late, Bunny. Sorry. Uh, I got two things coming up this week. Tomorrow night over at uh, twitch.tv slash tabletop titties, I am going to be doing a special guest spot. Yes, you heard that right. It is a it is a group called Tabletop Titties. Uh, I I am going to be uh, doing a, a guest spot with them tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So uh, if you want to see what I'm up to and what character I'm going to be playing, you should definitely check that out. And then on Thursday, uh, I am really excited because Boardroom Armageddon has come back. Uh, we're at Life Action Roleplay, and we have Purgatory Cafe happening this Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, if you want to see me play a character that is quite literally the polar opposite of Olin, you should check that out. That's over on twitch.tv slash Life Action Roleplay. Um, it is a lot of fun. Purgatory Cafe is a, is a trip, and you get to see a lot of great LARPers having a lot of fun together. All right. Bonnie? Me. Um, uh, obviously, October 28th, tune in to Paramount Plus to watch Star Trek Prodigy. Hey, do you know how good it feels to finally say this every I week? Also, um, uh, if you're in the Salt Lake City, Layton, Utah area, October 15th through 17th is a con called Anime Bonsai, and I will be there. Banzai? I'll probably learn the probably name before bonsai. I get there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Banzai. Uh, and I will be there as a voiceover guest, so I'll make sure to also bring some Library Bards merch if you're, if you're looking for that. Jazz hands. Uh, so yeah, if you're in the area, stop by. And also next month, I will be launching, I don't have the exact date yet, probably around the 11th, I will be launching a Kickstarter for my solo music album. I've, I've been sitting on so many original songs that I've written throughout uh, quarantine and I'm putting together a blues jazz 
album and I'm kind of freaking out about it. So keep your ears and eyes open for that. Ah! Awesome. It's, it's going to be good. I've heard some of it. Okay. Yeah, Xander's stuck with it. Xander's going to have all the songs in his head before it yeah. even comes out. Uh, okay, in that case, I'll go ahead and get some of my announcements. Um, so just as a quick reminder uh, to everybody, we have announced it, uh, but November 1st is when you can look forward to seeing some Star Jam. We are going back to Spelljammer. We had that one shot, and we had way too much fun. So we're going to be going back to space again, uh, but this time in the fantasy what-the-F world of Spelljammer in D&D, uh, where things get completely weird. I keep telling people who don't know what Spelljammer is, that it is the Doctor Who of D&D. It is where D&D goes off the map, off the map. It just keeps, like, it is, it, everything you know is wrong. It's like the Weird Al song. It's just everything you know is wrong. Um, so look forward to that on uh, November 1st. Um, we also, I can tell you now, we have some updates that are going to be coming down the pipe on Patreon. In the next couple of weeks, you can look forward to some announcements about our reward tiers and some of the things that are changing now that Clear Skies is wrapping up and incentives and all this delightful stuff that we're going to be doing as well as adding content uh, to the Patreon and what we're up to, what's coming up next. Um, I can also tell you now that our next campaign is going to be announced sometime in October. So stay tuned for that. Um, or I'm sorry, November. It's going to be uh, announced sometime in November towards the end of the Star Jam campaign. Oh, so you mean getting us so excited so quickly yeah. and then ripping off um, the Band-Aid and hurting us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll keep you posted about all that information. Um, the last thing I just wanted to say, uh, uh, because I, I just uh, normally reserve this kind of stuff at the end of the episode, uh, but I just wanted to once again extend my thank you to all of the Ox crew out there that made Clear Skies possible. You're gonna be hearing a lot tonight, um, but thank you so much. This was our first campaign after the uh, the GNS years, as it were, and us coming out and trying this to do it ourselves. We've learned so much in our time together, but uh, flying on the Ross has been such an incredible experience and it wouldn't have been possible without the supporters on Patreon and Ox crew uh, taking up uh, once again to follow us into the stars. So thank you so much for that. Um, also want to extend a, just real quick, um, a couple of thank yous. Uh, the other people I want to thank uh, is our mods. <clears throat> our mods, um, as Cato, Mitch, Chandra, uh, Meaning of Night, Olivia, uh, Librarian Liz, Callisto, y'all have really helped us uh, formulate everything to make this show possible. Um, Chandra and Liz and Cato. There are so many people that, that worked behind the scenes to help organize our Patreon information and get that to me as a GM so that I could uh, basically follow through on a lot of our reward tiers and stuff like that. The, the mods have done more than just mod our channel and our Discord. They have been uh, sort of like the background like lifeblood of the show. So thank you so much to our mods for helping us make Clear Skies happen. Um, and lastly, uh, I just wanted to extend uh, a special thank you to Star Trek Online, because we owe those folks a big thank you. They've been our biggest supporters. They put the USS Ross in Star Trek Online. <laughs> um, Thomas Maroney designed it. He, Thomas Maroney designed our logo for the show. Uh, and uh, Mike Fadham, just everybody over there has just been absolutely wonderful. And thank you so much for being uh, such a champion for the show. We've really appreciated it. Um, and the last two people I want to thank, just give it just just particularly off the top, is I want to thank Leland Cox, who once again composed our music for Clear Skies and is uh, 
is going on to do big things now on Netflix. Um, and uh, so definitely follow Leland uh, online. But uh, Leland once again lended us his talents. We have no business. Uh, there, there's there is no way we could afford Leland Cox, and he still, out of the goodness of his heart, did some uh, wonderful music for us. So thank you uh, for that. Um, also, I want to uh, I also want to real quick uh, thank uh, Z Films for doing our intros for us. Uh, Z Films has done the intro for Clear Skies and Blood of the Void. So thank you so much uh, to Z Films. And lastly, I wanted to just uh, thank real quick the Q Times mods who are always in here modding for uh, Clear Skies. Uh, I want to thank uh, Lauren. I, I, I think right off the bat, I just want to thank Lauren real quick because Lauren has been doing a brilliant job modding for us uh, here on Q Times and devotes so much time uh, to, to helping the show go smoothly and keeping this place safe for us to go to space. So I just want to give a big shout out there. Um, and uh, and if I if I if I haven't uh, said anything, uh, it, there's a lot to go through right now. But uh, those are the people that I just wanted to thank off the top um, before we went into our final episode of the game uh, for tonight. Um, in closing, uh, before I pass things off, I just want to say uh, for those of you who followed us from Shield of Tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much for coming with us on another journey. Uh, if you were fans of Callisto 6, um, thank you so much for becoming fans of Clear Skies. We hope that you will follow us on our next great adventure. Um, and those are my announcements. Uh, is anybody else? Yes, Bonnie? Really quick before I forget, I wanted, sure. to say, I wanted to say on the Jazz Blue solo album, I will have a medley of Star Trek themes that I will be singing because that is happening and I've already have an arrangement and I can't... I just wanted to make sure that I said it here on Clear Skies that there will be a Star Trek jazz, Star Trek jazz track. Noise sung by the computer from Prodigy. Sounds good. <laughs> um, unless there's anything else. Yes, Sam. Oh, sorry, Sandra. Did you have something? No, that was you. I was. I was just. Oh, okay. You were pointing, <laughs> pointing at me through the screen. I understand. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't. That was a beautiful thank you message, Eric, and I endorse all of it. Having said that, I do want to point out at least one omission, which is you. Mm. Thank you for taking us to space. Yeah, and thank you, Eric. putting holes in my ship. <laughs> and I say thank you for it, and that's the only one you're ever going to get. Mm, yeah, that's kind of unusual. <laughs> but it's great stories, and it's been good feels wonderful freaking wonderful friends i couldn't be luckier to go to space with all of you and i'm so excited to do it one more time let's start tonight's episode of clear skies
When last we left off, the USS Ross was in the middle of the fight of her life, sandwiched between two Romulan warbirds on the edge of the galaxy. You did have help from a Klingon Vorcha-class battlecruiser, which was doing its fair share of smacking that warbird up, but also adding to the variables of this combat is the Ketikus, a Tholian tarantula dreadnought that is out of time, literally out of its time, and is here for unknown reasons. Its motivations have been unknown since you first encountered the Ketikus, and now it's arrived on the scene. Doesn't has not engaged the Ross. Instead, it's lingering closer to the particle fountain, which is undergoing its own metamorphosis right now. Right now, the particle fountain is in a state of flux, a violent eruption that has been taking place. As I said before, the particle fountain has more than quadrupled in size. It is now visible from light years away. And as a result of this, something, according to the sensors, something is emerging from the fountain. What's even more troubling is the torpedoes that are currently in station around the edges of the particle fountain themselves. Now remember, when the Ross was racing to get here on time, they had been delayed. Apparently one of these warbirds staged an attack on a refugee ship in order to draw the Ross away. But the Ross was faster than these Romulans were prepared for. You did manage to arrive before they could complete their operation. However, they were largely done when the Ross showed up. As a result, this battle has been taking place with only a few clicks left on that timer before they can detonate those torpedoes. Now, how many they need to detonate to enact your plan, you're not sure. But what you are sure of is that you did not, you arrived in time before they could complete their operation. They are still a threat. There are 18 torpedoes currently in orbit around the particle fountain at station. And what's worse is because there is so much interference from all the particles coming out of that fountain, the Ross has been having difficulty actually pinpointing all of them. They are sort of refracting in the sensor scans, appearing as multiples or as ghosts, possibly not appearing in the same coordinates in which they were originally appearing. In other words, think of it like this in D&D &D terms. It's like every single torpedo is a displacer beast. You don't know which is the real torpedo in the sensor scans. Everything is kind of mirror imaged. Um, when we last left off, the Ross had just detected that there was something yesterday massive inside of the particle fountain um, and that it appeared to be emerging. Now, Sela's warbird, Admiral Sela, who has made her appearance and who has heavily damaged the Ross, is herself in trouble. Now, she might have been a match for the Ross, but not the Ross and a Klingon warship at her flank which has done its fair share of damage to her hull, but not as bad as the Ross being able to blast her belly open the way you all did in the last few rounds of combat. The Ross right now is bleeding. She has multiple hull breaches on the lower halves of her deck. Uh, currently, uh, decks 30 through uh, 27 have multiple fractures and hull breaches. Um, there have been casualty reports coming in there's already been confirmed a few fatalities. And sickbay right now, McCrell, is starting to fill up with people who are being rushed in here by fellow crew members, holding head wounds, um, grabbing sides, people suffering from decompression sickness, all sorts of everything you were expecting to have happen as sickbay is starting to fill up. 
the engine room is pure chaos right now. You are all running around trying to gauge and study the power levels. The, the, the punishment the shields have taken since the battle has begun. And you are seeing damage reports coming in from all over the ship. Um, but mostly it's coming uh, almost exclusively from the impacts on uh, essentially the starboard side uh dorsal section of the ship so she is basically the ross's back has been shot up good however that ablative armin armor has held and the ross has taken punishment that would normally take out a galaxy class or give at least that much more damage so the ross has taken hits and swinging above her weight which is considerable as a scale six ship two warbirds bearing down on her you've managed to punch up sila's warbird but the second warbird has gotten in its licks. It's taken advantage of the fact that the Ross is focused fired on the Admiral. And as a result, it has been continuously evading and closing the distance so it can continue punching up at the Ross. All of that seems to be somewhat irrelevant as you can all kind of sense that the emergence or the, the activity happening at the particle fountain has apparently gotten... <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm totally distracted by that comment, Aki. <laughs> You're totally welcome. It's so ple it pleases me so. No, no, make them say, Aki. What did you say write it, in you our cast chat? So I, I caught, I caught Eric's little ship, uh, little, uh, little um, slip, and and decided to write in the text chat a blade of Armin Shimmerman. A blade of Armin Shimmerman. <laughs> we should name it that from now on. It's very good. Um, uh, right now, it seems like the battlefield is kind of catching its breath for a moment as something has begun to stir within the particle fountain. The Ketakis is at station keeping right now. Her shields are up. Her weapon systems are online. She has not target locked anybody. It doesn't look like she's moving into range. However, what's curious about the Ketakis is that section, the midsection of that ship that spins slowly, kind of menacingly, and displays outside of the exterior of its hull these electrical looking like brilliant golden webs that supposedly can be activated at any point. Tholians are known for using these energy webs to ensnare ships. This one seems to have one on the standby. It slowly rotates around the hull. Um, those webs look like they've become active. However, they have not been fired. And again, no one has been targeted. But the Ketakis seems very interested in the Particle Fountain and very disinterested in everything that is happening on your side of the battlefield. We start this game session off with the Bridge of the Ross shaking violently from the last hit. Um, there is ventilation, like steam blasting through um, multiple corridors on the Ross. Uh, the klaxon of the red alert, uh, the damage control systems is blaring, and sitting at the sign station is Jane Lacat, who has severe burns on the left side of her face. Um, you have managed to, uh, you have managed to waylay the the effects of the damage you took. But as a quick reminder, you took lethal damage when your console erupted in front of you in the first opening salvo of the combat however you spent your momentum to ignore that injury which the rules allow you to do because you're a cast member and cast members survive this stuff um you are not a red shirt as i 
uh, reveal. <laughs> so uh, GM might not survive the game tonight. Um, and don't you forget it. Yeah. The Ross is injured, and we're going to start off on the bridge. Um, we are currently kind of, just to give the audience an idea of where we are right now, um, we are out of, I would say, I could comfortably say that at the particular moment, we are going to, just for the just for the ease of everyone's <laughs> cognitive imaginings of this situation, we are going to set combat at the top of the round. Currently, the Ross has undergone, currently, there has not been a full turn of combat, but we're going to say that there is a lull in between as this emergence is taking place at the Particle Fountain that's drawn the attention of every captain of every ship. It's kind of that situation, if you can imagine, in the Battle of Five Armories, where everyone's getting ready to kill each other and all of a sudden the orcs arrived. Everyone stops and looks. It's kind of that situation. Everyone has stopped what they are doing and is observing the Particle Fountain um, as the Catechist seems to activate. We're going to take it to the top of the round. At the top of the round, Prawl shouts over the, the, the volume of the bridge as everything is rumbling on the bridge. You hear Yuri Prawl shout, Captain, the Imperius is activating its cloaking device. I think they're going to rabbit. it. We'll have to see if we can get them. One last time before they do. Um, the Tamel's not going anywhere, Captain. She's still bearing down on us. Not much we can do about that. Much like there's not much we can do about the Catechus. It's probably more concerned with whatever's going on in the Particle Fountain. And if it's not hurting us, then it's not making our odds worse. I don't expect the Romulans to stop swinging for long. And I don't think they'll expect the same of us either. All right, I'm subtracting three power from the Imperius on her action. She is at, and uh, the Ross gets to go right now. So to keep things moving forward, I'm gonna put us at the top of the second turn of combat. So right now the Ross will get an action. So I'll give you this, the Prawl has detected a power surge on the hull of the Imperius, and all signs point to it engaging its cloaking device. What does the Ross do? Captain, a report from engineering. Uh, according to my notes, we have two shields and 15 power. Oof. Thank you, Chief. Really would have left a little more time to get those shields back up before we got back into a tussle with the Imperius, but if we don't take this moment, we're going to lose it. If you say so, Captain. I think we have to take the shot. Take the shot, Captain. I'm going to go down to engineering and help the chief. Blip. Okay, you appear down in engineering almost instantaneously, and you see a materializing in main engineering. When you get down there, Exio, this place is, uh, it, it is an engineering room in the middle of combat. You can see the ventilation ports just shh, shh, venting coolant out into the open space. Um, you can also see that there have been some containment fields erected around some of the plasma conduits that are burning plasma, but are currently burning out. 
they're being robbed of the energy it needs to continue to burn. So everything damage control teams are in here in full effect. But you can see right now, Chief Tech is your tech, you were leaning over the main central console, rerouting power and moving energy where it needs to go in order to keep the Ross in the fight. What uh, are you planning on doing? As soon as Exio appears, Tech turns around and grabs a data pad from one of the ensigns that's like in the flow of the dance. Uh -huh. <clears throat> we do have this place under control, Exio, but and then he holds up the pad and he points to the breaches. They may need your help more, or even Medbay. We're gonna give them all the power that we have, but we can trust the captain. Absolutely. And I will be willing to Go wherever a living being cannot, Chief. In the corner of your eye, Exio, you see you putting out a plasma fire yeah. about seventy feet away near one of the one of the burning ducts. And it smiles as a, as an ensign runs past and continues. Luckily, you're a volunteer. Yeah. We had some extras, so we Perfect. do kind of have it under control thanks to you. Well, <laughs> then I'll find a dance partner and she takes the data pad and okay. starts just going through the the conga line of people that might need assistance um and uh, i i that that is what i'm doing i will go through the breaches and then head to med bay depending on um where they need Excel. me actually i want you to make a control command roll mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna set the difficulty of this at three okay we should still have some momentum from last, from last. Uh, I do. You should, yes. I am down much. to almost no momentum. It was somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I want to say it's somewhere in the in the, in the realm between like, was it three? I think it was three. We oh, three is also what I have in my note. I will yeah. buy one with the intention of uh, hopefully getting some spillover. Yep. Mm -hmm. So take one. Okay. Can I use uh, my command focus? Which one is it? Command. My oh, my command yeah, exe. Yeah, yeah. When I like. What, are, what other focuses do you have? Um, counseling system tab, dance. Uh, no, none of those would apply. Dance? I'm joining text dance. Yeah, but that's not why I'm having you roll. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Well, then it's three successes. Okay. Um. Axio, you do a quick process over damage control teams, and it's one of those things, have you ever been on like, have you ever been in one of those instances where you didn't realize you weren't feeling well until you started moving around too much, and then you began to realize like, oh, wait a minute, I, I think something's wrong, <laughs> that yeah. kind of situation? As you analyze the damage control teams, you pause for a second, Axio, because you begin to realize you feel like you're beginning to realize that you're having very subtly very quickly your your program is having uh is dumping information cache to make room for memory it takes a moment for you to realize this but as you pause for a moment you begin to realize um it's almost like your processing power has been reduced or something it feels like you're it's the moment you blipped down here is when it became apparent to you it doesn't seem to be related to the holograms that are in use okay so, but I will say that looking at the data pad, you begin to see that one of the breaches that has taken place on the lower dorsal section of the ship is near the computer core, where you're seeing a power fluctuation taking place on the grid down there. 
Well, that's a hiccup. Um, I blipped my computer core. As you appear inside the computer core, your eyes widen immediately because you can see out into space through two levels of decks that are just above you. It's like a skylight far, far overhead where it looks like one section of the Ross has been openly injured, but force fields are holding. However, you can see med teams in here uh, currently resuscitating people who, who were in this compartment when it opened up. Basically three decks of the Ross got smashed and exposed. Computer core lies deep within the Ross's hull. So to be exposed to space is giving you an idea of how bad the hit was. Um, the damage is being mitigated. However, you see Ensign Dari is in here and is currently in damage control mode. And she sees you and she rushes over and she goes, hey, how, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, Ensign Dari. Um, oh no. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got this, I've got this. One sec. Um, she runs over to one of the computer consoles and says, stay with me, stay with me. I'm rerouting power from aft phasers. We don't need those right now. All right, stand by. Um, I'm gonna Someone roll. hand me a data pad. I seem to uh, have lost mine. And she looks down at her hands because she blipped and forgot that she was holding a data pad at the time. It's okay, so. it's okay. She, she's talking to you as this is happening. It's okay, Commander. It's not the, it's not your core. You're perfectly fine. The core isn't damaged. It just needs power. One sec. Um, I'm going to roll for Dari, and I'm going to ask the Ross spend one power. Yes. Okay, so Dari is going to make a roll to try to reroute power to Exio. Power at 14. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to set the difficulty for three. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, you know what? Roll for Ross. Who would like to roll for Ross? Difficulty is three. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so for the Ross, this is going to be... This is going to be a... It doesn't engineer. matter what it is. That's a no. That's a What'd big you roll? No. I rolled an 18. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, that is, I was just trying to find out how much momentum you got. Because uh, she succeeded. Um, Prawl on the bridge goes, someone's rerouting power to... Never mind. Someone's rerouting power to Exio. Quite so. And then at that point, Prawl says, Captain, it looks like there's been some minor damage to the area surrounding the computer core. Running a quick diagnostic. And computer mentally, between between the two of them, Olin just says, she's going to be fine. It's okay. Main The Exio mainframe is fine, Captain. Exio, it feels like you had a good night's sleep suddenly. As power gets rerouted. I imagine that's what a hangover must feel like. That's better? Dari comes over to you. Good? Much better. And you literally brighter. <laughs> uh, let's get to work. Let's get to work. And Dari rushes back over to the computer console. And Exio, you see down here, just a little bit of work is only required, but it looks like Ross's... Ross's containment shields are in effect and are holding. Um, <laughs> so it looks like this is okay, but it, yeah, Dari could use your help for sure. So the two of you are going to work. I want to cut down real quick to sickbay because right now sickbay is probably one of the more chaotic places on the ship. It's a party. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
It is a party. It's right a now. dead man's party. Just kidding. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Everyone's um, fine. The problem, the problem <laughs> is, Doctor, that Sick Bay Station 3 is located on deck 31 and is currently suffering power failure because of the impacts to the hull. Um, so people have been transferred to Sick Bay 2 on deck 20. You guys are on deck 12 in main Sick Bay. Mm -hmm. And everyone who cannot everyone who is a medical emergency is being shifted from deck 20 to deck 12. So you have about 30 patients in here right now. Currently, the Ross has suffered 27 injuries and 16 fatalities. Mm. So there's a majority, obviously, in main sick bay, and then there's some on deck 20, correct? Uh, yeah, some on deck on 20. The less light-threatening injuries are currently on deck 20. Uh, right oh. now, there are no reported injuries in the shuttle bays, however. Wonderful. Because um, I would like to... Uh, activate the emergency medical hologram okay to assist get, get if not on main sick bay then at least on uh deck 20 just because i know staff is spread out very thin okay so it materializes in main sick bay please state the nature of the medical emergencies looks around yes we tend to have had a um large one we are currently in battle we have most people, most of the serious injuries here in main sick bay, but there could be some serious trauma injuries down on deck 20 as well. Please assess the situations and go where you're needed. Transferring program to deck 20. And and I think I do a little thank you to the Starfleet universe of having hologram <laughs> emitters everywhere on our ship because of Exio. That's like nice. Yes, indeed. Every indeed. single version of Exio that is working everywhere absolutely flirts with the EMH. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I think we all do in our own way. <laughs> the ship you that's didn't amazing. see coming. That's amazing. Um, okay. So that is what is happening all throughout the ship. Now is there any powerful? The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Where are there any power power fluctuations happening in main sick bay? Uh, no. Okay. Main sick bay is in functioning. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just checking on Sorax because he's in a coma. Because oh, no. there's a power fluctuation. No, 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 no. Right okay. now, okay. uh, so right now the impacts have been so the Ross has sustained has sustained multiple impacts to her hull. Uh, Tech has been able to repair most of that with damage control teams during the course of the combat and a lot again a lot of the containment fields are keeping things in place but mm -hmm. the ross has been hit impact has had three hull breaches at this point and one of them has been repaired so you guys are impacted at the moment now mm -hmm. as a quick reminder the warbird is not doing so hot <laughs> she she has had a lot more than just a few hull breaches so uh, we are now back up on the bridge. So, Captain, what will your action be for this round of combat? Um, I had, I have instructed Prawl to take the shot. Okay, Prawl's going to take the shot. Well, Prawl's sheet. Okay. I don't think we have uh, time to do our nice setup and our scan for weaknesses and our helm actions. She'll be disappeared by then. Uh, okay, 
So, oh, that's that's right. That's what that is. I was like, what is that number? Oh God, that's what that that's that's how many breaches she's had. That's what that is. Okay. So, uh, do I have permission to spend a point of momentum for Prawl? Yes, Robustly, please. Bustly, you are okay. encouraged to do so. Here we go. Prawl's gonna open fire. Keeping in mind that thanks to Jane Lacat, this thing still has. Oh no, that was the end of the turn. So no, this you'd have to scan for weakness again. That's okay. Uh, so how much did how much did uh, Ross got one? I rolled a 110 and a 12, so I'm going to get two, three, four, and then five successes total. That gets us three back, which is back to 12 because we were at a difficulty two. And it's a breach. Or, oh, with damage. Never mind. Yeah, it depends on how much damage I roll here. So let's see. What? Uh, remind me again the base damage of your phasers. So two, four, six. I think it's. It's eight. Eight. Okay. Two, four, six. That's right. Two, four, six, eight. Uh, okay. Would you like to add any dice to that? I think. We should add three more, bringing us down to 11 power. That yes. seems like a healthy number. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, and- as a note, our phasers have precision cutting, which ignores some resistance. Yep, right. so we are. I think it makes sense to spend for piercing at the same time as we spend for rerolls, just to see how many effects we get. It might do the job for us, and then we yes. can just rerolls. I rolled four nice. effects. Then I think we are set on piercing. We do not need more piercing. Okay, so uh, did you I roll did any any threes or fours? I rolled uh, one, two, three, four effects, two twos and a one. So that's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points of damage with piercing. Uh, do I think we should give him two more extras from our momentum pool? And see if we can get to 10, because that's the second breach. That's yep. correct. That's the way to do it. That's what they did to you. You might as well say hello. All so right. is that so, that's from momentum, but it would we, we Yeah, because I don't think we can spend. go back and double spend Impact. power. Yeah. That feels not in mm. the spirit of the holiday. Correct. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, so see, six. All oh, right. Okay, so six. So we give him two more chances to try to get. Ooh. Okay, so you've all been able to see visibly the damage that you have been doing to this warbird, but this latest hit is enough to see hull plating shear off, and and most of the internal the structure at the bottom of the warbird give way. That phaser strike once again lances through the bottom of that warbird's belly. It's straight out into space above her. She is heavily damaged at this point. You can see the burning outlines of that phaser strike through the under part of the warbird you can see the structure has been exposed it is heavily damaged um that is going to put it you gave it two more breaches that is going to bring it past its halfway mark that ship is limping at this point uh and that is going to be y'all's action that was certainly, that was enough to get their attention. Okay, it's going to be the Imperius's action. Uh, it actually bled power from that impact, so I'm going to subtract that. It, ha- it, it, the Imperius does have enough power left over, just enough power left over, to activate its cloaking device, which is still functional. So I'm going to subtract three, and on her action. 
the warbird breaks off and steers away, and you see that you can, on the sensors, you just hear that hushing just as this warbird vanishes from sight. The Klingon ship, in its frustration, opens fire with a single volley of disruptors, which narrowly misses the Ross. <laughs> and they cease fire. That's going to be the Imperius's round. It is now the Tamel's action. The Tamel is going to use its action and I'm going to, to make this appropriate, I'm going to spend my last threat. And the Tamel is going to use its action to detonate the torpedoes surrounding the particle fountain. No! Oh, the Catechus is about to have words to say about that. No, that's cat, a bad idea. That's bad. Cat, I need you to make a reason science check. The cat, save us. Is she being assisted by the Ross? Yes. Please. Can I spend a momentum, please? Thank you. I think we have, yeah. I am now oh. completely out of threat, just so everybody knows. You have cautious, Rave. No, no, I, I, I I'm, oh, you did I'm good. Oh, that I, was a that good. was a good. Oh, ho, ho. okay. <laughs> the difficulty is the, the difficulty is four because of the interference that's coming from the particle fountain. So tell me what you got. And this is oh, a sensor God. science roll, right? Sensor science. I got, I got four. It. I got, got it four? right on the dot. Oh, got one. Okay, so gain a momentum. Okay, so despite the extraordinary amount of interference that's coming through the power that is bursting from that particle fountain, the Ross is still getting information back because of our high resolution sensors and because her science officer is a badass. And Lacat, the pain, your headache, you don't even want to know what you look like right now, but you can feel the agony on the left side of your face. The hypospray is taking the edge off, but you hurt. Um, you're keeping conscious and keeping focused on that console as you're typing through and sweeping the sensors across that particle fountain, you keep an eye on what you saw emerging, and then you see the detonations of all of these torpedoes, giving you a precise location as to which each one was, but they go off in such rapid succession that it all happens practically at once. Oh, God. What it confirms, however, there doesn't seem to have been enough to cause a chain reaction, but the energy that you see beginning to happen around the particle fountain um, is catastrophic. It looks like it's not going to be enough to set off a chain reaction through subspace, okay. but the it's Shackleton Expanse is about to be shredded. The sheer magnitude of power released by the particle fountain is enough to cause us. You estimate the computer is giving you an estimation that a subspace tear roughly 17,000 light years across is going to form at this location in the next 20 minutes. Captain, we can't be here in the next 20 minutes. What's going on? Uh, subspace is tearing itself apart. Um, and I show you my sensor scans. <laughs> The model that it's building, Captain, mm -hmm. 17,000 light years, it doesn't seem possible. 17,000 light years is enough to, it is, 
it would be like knifing the galaxy. The sheer size of that kind of tear would have repercussions on the entire quadrant. Then this what? isn't something we outrun. This is something we have to find a way to fix now. Hail the Catechist. Um, yeah, while that is happening, what is Olin sensing? Like in general, Funny you especially ask, from the so from the subspace tear. From the subspace tear, well, right now it's a particle fountain that's about to basically right. rip itself from the over. fountain. Funny enough, Olin, for you, all of the noise on the bridge starts becoming muted, and in this. It's where you can hear the captain talking to your right. All you hear is a muffled voice, like someone's putting their hands over your ears. The th whatever was emerging from the particle fountain is not anymore. The particle fountain has become a maelstrom of energy. Mm -hmm. If something was emerging, it's probably been destroyed or it's being blocked. You don't know. But you feel an enormous stabbing pain in the back of your head. Something is happening to you specifically on a psychic level right now. Olin? Everyone around you begins to fade. You can, yes, everybody on the, everyone who is visible on the bridge can see Olin in the middle of what looks no, like. No, I think Jane there. calls out because Jane sees this visual yeah. reaction and is worried. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Can we, can we, Olin. Olin. Get a medic. Olin, you don't know what happening. happens next. You're talking, but no one is there around you. What the rest of you see is Olin get up from their chair, grabbing their head. You say their name, and they turn towards you, Captain, and then they collapse in the center of the bridge. Down on the floor, holding them. Yeah, same. Their thing. eyes Just are thinking fluttering. into their mind, trying to make some kind of connection mm -hmm. with them, anything, and just whispering, get up, get up, what's going on, what's going on, talk to me. Their eyes are rolled into the back of their head and their eyelids are fluttering. It almost looks like they're having some kind of episode. You don't know what's happening. Shanto, medic, now. Shanto comes rushing over with the hypo spray and med kit that she had when she helped La cat. She sets down and she starts immediately running a tricorder scan. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sedate them. Uh maybe maybe I can maybe I can um while all of that is happening. Olin, you are standing on a muddy beach with water lapping around your ankles. And all around you you see a, it, it looks like a, like a, a watercolor that's like a painting that's just running. It begins to slowly formulate in your mind. As you focus on it, it starts to become a little more clear. And this is, begins to look like the, the banks of a lake. You don't recall ever seeing this lake before, but the jungle behind you seems vaguely familiar. 
you see ancient trees reaching up to the skies overhead and huge stalks of fungi growing out of rock crevices and uh, blocks of ancient wood. And standing before you, like nothing in the world was happening, you see Aotan. preserver that pr appeared to you when the device was activated so long ago. We meet again. I have never left you. But What's happening? Aotin looks up towards the skies and says, The moment has arrived. The variable. I, Do you recognize the, this world? The jungle looks familiar to me. Is this... I've been here before. A warm smile crosses their face, and Eotin raises their hand and motions to behind you. And emerging from the fuzz, like a watercolor crystallizing before you, you see, with a warm smile on their ancient face, you see Re materialize out of this swirling mass of color. You. And Lee comes to a stop in front of you and says, smiles, says, hello, Olin. I didn't get a chance to talk to you much when we first met. I'm glad I get the chance to now. The feeling is mutual, I assure you. But I still don't understand. I know, it's difficult to explain. Are you a preserver as well? I am a child of the preservers. We were left behind long, long ago as the preservers began to vanish from the galaxy. I was a contingency plan. Think of me as the gardener that was left behind to make sure that the flowers kept blooming. Only I failed. How did you fail? Aotin speaks up from behind you now and says, the choices of sapient beings across the galaxy, there is, their choices need to be made without our influence. And yet the same story seems to play out every time. Aotin strides up to you and says, look, and motions up to the sky. It's alarming, but in the sky overhead, it's almost like it's in an air show, but you see the battle. You see a warbird in front of the Ross. You can see debris from both the Ross and the warbird orbiting all of the ships that are in the middle of the fight. You can see the particle fountain erupting. 
and the catechists near the eruption. And Aotin continues and says, every civilization plays out the same stories over and over and over. It is part of their growth cycle. They rise and fall, wiping themselves out with their own incredible technologies. And those who survive, their progress destroys all that's around them. We preservers, we're attempting to break that cycle. And Re was part of that plan. We knew we would not be around forever. To do so would be to contribute to that cycle of destruction. We refused. Now we are gone. But the mistakes that have been made over the course of this galaxy's life can be corrected. How? Re, behind you, as you turn to them, says, the particle fountain. It is true what I told your captain. The catechus is not in its own time. They are here for much the same reasons that you now stand on this beach. Only they do not realize that they cannot do this themselves. You see, the damage has been done and she nods to the tear that you start seeing developing in subspace ripping across the galaxy. And she says, there is no stopping that, but there could be changing it. The creatures, the creatures that were wiped out from the galaxy can return. Their origins are far beyond this reality. The garden can be saved. And the Shackleton Expanse, which is now an archaeological dig site for creatures that once roamed the stars before civilizations destroyed them, can come back. but there's a catch. <laughs> when they materialize in this reality, their molecules, their synchronicity will need to form with this timeline and this universe. And this will have a twofold effect. AO10 immediately steps in and says, think of it like this. In order to become a life form in this universe, it must match the frequency of this reality. And in so doing, to do so, it will require an anchor point. Not just an anchor point, she speaks up. Whatever is the gateway for these life forms to emerge from this fountain will become the thing that impresses itself upon these life forms. Do you understand? I, I think so. Aotin says, think of it like a mother. 
if you must. Whatever contact they have with the thing that will cause them to pass into this reality, it will dictate their impression of this reality and how they will fit into this reality. Which is why she speaks up again and says, which is why this is the moment the USS Ross has been destined for. You have two choices. You can run. Or the Ross can serve as an anchor and attempt to reverse the particle fountain and allow these beings to emerge. But it's up to you. And we cannot guarantee the outcome. I don't know if you've heard, but we're Starfleet. I've got this. Aoten strides forward and re-steps behind them. And Aoten says, know this, Olin. When I say I have always been with you, this is true on every level. You are part of us and we of you. What happens next will be your legacy. Whatever happens, know that the universe itself has its own memory and this will be remembered. He steps back next to Ree, and Ree smiles at you and says, goodbye, Olin. Aoten says, goodbye, Olin. Goodbye? And that's what you hear the ambassador say as they're laying there, just after they get the hypos raised. In the back of your mind, echoing, you can hear the words, the warnings, you need to take the USS Ross into the particle fountain. Don't turn back. You come back consciousness to the look of the captain over you and the sound of Prawl shouting, the Tamel's withdrawing, Captain. We can't go after them. We have to go in. The particle fountain? It's the only way. We can't turn back. We have to go in. Okay. Um, well, Vren? Get on it. Vren looks at you and says, Captain, it's my duty to tell you that the sheer forces of taking the Ross into the particle fountain... We can't turn back. Captain, should I run a sensor scan? I guess we're going into that particle fountain. We'll get scanning. Run a sensor scan. That's going to be sensor science, and you're going to be assisted by the ship. Again, right on the dot. Difficulty here is three, again. 
I also, I got two 16s and a three, and my score for this is a 17. So that brings us to four again, my friends. <laughs> With the Nicely rest. done. Love it. Okay. Okay. Um, the sensor sweep is, first of all, the particle fountain, the estimated 17,000 kilometers is still visible to you on your screens as you are scanning the sheer power that is coming through that fountain there is simply no way the ross's shields are going to be able to protect the ross it's like driving a car into a volcano it's like toy story 3 all over again y'all <laughs> i haven't seen that one yet oh whoops anyway <laughs> um uh, so, so one quick point of clarification, Eric. Um, Sorry, seventeen thousand light years. I said kilometers. Okay. Light years. <laughs> so, one quick point of clarification. You said that um, we heard Olin speaking. Did we hear them um, say everything they were hearing, or just the goodbye? Just the goodbyes. Okay, great. Never mind. As they were coming out of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in that case. I don't know why we're going into a particle fountain, but I guess if I wanted to go out, this is the way that... I know Vryn it seems reckless, but you have to trust me. Vryn looks shaken and says, what are your orders, Captain? Ahead, full impulse. If this is about to rip a 17,000 light year wound in space, turning around and running now... Now. I'm told there are some people who don't believe in no-win scenarios, and they're out there, but this is not that day. Go in. Should probably tell Chief Tech. Can someone get a med team up to Vren? I just saw the orders come in that he's steering us into the fountain. On orders, Chief. Uh, your orders, Captain. Yes. Cool, 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 cool. You heard them. Uh, Jane turns to Ren uh, because I think she sees his little uncertainty, and she just wants to say, "Hey, believe in the in the me that believes in them. You got this." Ren just goes, "Well." At least that takes the pressure off of what I'm going to do with the rest of my career. And he says, full impulse, I. And the Ross begins to immediately pull away from the combat zone. And you begin to head towards the particle fountain at full impulse power. So that's going to take one power off of your of your, uh, your pool. And I think Olin is immediately reaching out. Like, just as they're getting closer, is just pinging as hard as they can off this thing. Okay. You guys are racing towards the particle fountain. Olin, you are reaching out. I will say as a supplement thing too, now that Tech is not worried about what's happening on the Ross, but putting all the attention on the particle fountain, he's going to compare some of the data that he's had before from his mm -hmm. encounter of the mycelial network to see if it compare and contrasts with the readings that we're getting from this. So yeah, what's curious about that? Um, go ahead and uh, well, let's let's go ahead and say that if you want, just spend one point of momentum, and I'll give you information. Done. Uh, confirmation. Yes. The the 
the cat probably hasn't seen it yet because she's got her hands full, you know, trying to navigate and make sure that the ship is intact while y'all do what you do. But you are, while all of this is happening and people are beginning to realize that the Ross is going into the mouth of the beast, you are seeing miraculous things appearing on your on the scans when you're analyzing the data. You see signature DNA strands appearing within the scans, similar to the fungi that you all encountered in that big hole <laughs> that everyone fell down, similar to the uh, the the fungi that was encountered on Redis. Something's alive in that particle fountain. That should not be possible. No mm -hmm. starship has ever survived an encounter with a particle fountain. These things like are strong enough to rip apart moons. Several things. So things plural. Things plural. Lots of things plural. Okay. Um, the Ross turns into the wind and starts heading towards the light. Does the med bay get this update? Do we know? Oh, you are. The command staff is apprised of the situation, so you yeah. know what's going on. Oh, a part think, of me is yeah. is is uh, torn with staying in med bay and treating to the wounded and also going down to the shuttle bay to let those below know that their last moments are, are happening. But McCrell keeps working. Sol is sending their ship into the abyss and my dice understand that uh, because the Chloros is a one and a 20. Okay. So um. as Olin is reaching out, I hate to add to the signal to noise ratio <laughs> oh, <no>. here. <laughs> but there's there's so much, there's so much, there's so much. And because I have the one, there's also just the clear thought, the plea, that Delton thing you do. Could you give uh, me your strength? Just a Olin, like, reaches back and just, like, grabs uh, Saul's hand. And, like, I think that also sort of channels into their, their telepathic pings because they start pulling in some way from from Sol's strength as well. Like, just with that connection. And I think that they reach forward and place a, a hand, because I think they're standing in the middle, right? They have their hand, one hand back, gripping Sol's and one hand forward on Cat's shoulder and like just kind of supporting themselves on the two of them and just as, like, with as much power as they can muster. They're just calling out to the, to the, the beings in the, in the particle fountain and telling them they're on their way. Okay. And as Sol is, as Olin takes the anxiety of it away, that leaves the part of Sol that is most confident in their crew. And on the back of a Chloros failure, everyone can feel that. They get to be strength for their crew this time. As the Ross is approaching the particle fountain, you feel Asmi Shanto's hand slip into yours, Lacat. And she squeezes your hand tightly. 
and she's not looking at the main view screen anymore. And you see this small, gentle smile on her face as she's just watching you now. If we get out of this, we should get married. Okay. Great. I can't wait to shock my dad. I don't plan on telling my parents at all. So that works. You can that tell works. mine. Actually, I can't wait to shock Ola's <laughs> parents. This is definitely a fascinating time to propose. I mean, it's now or never, baby. She touches the other side of your face gently and smiles at you. You can see the tears welling up in her eyes as she realizes these are her final moments with you. As that's happening, you can hear the, the alerts going off from the main computer. Exio, as you are finalizing everything that's happening in the main computer core, you can see you can, you're getting immediate damage reports. The hull, the stress on the hull right now is starting to exceed the Ross's capacity, even with the ablative armor. And you can hear the shields have started to fail. You can see the light starting to breach the interior of the Ross as you approach the particle fountain. The shields are failing in the room that we're in? Uh, The shields are failing. No, no, no. The containment shields are still up. The shields of the Ross, which were at two, are starting to drop. Okay. um, Exio has wandered to the hole in the ship Mm -hmm. and has a clear, unshielded view of the particle fountain blazing in front of her. Um, and sort of knows these final moments, there's nothing that can be done more. And so she just yells as loud as she can to the crew that's in this room Mm -hmm. to stop what they're doing and come look at the beauty of where we get to be every day. And I like, I, 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 and Sindari, and Sindari, and Sindari, and Sindari and is like reminding herself because there's some cash missing and it's just not going to be there, you know, but I, I know it's in Sindari. I know it's in Sindari. And, um, and I take her hand and, and um, what's another, and what's another engineer in this room that I get to name? Let's pull out the, let's pull someone. Give me half a moment here and I'll pull up our, I'm about to put the very biggest hole in your ship. I'm very sorry. (laughs) The biggest hole. We won't have a ship. <laughs> We're doing it together. <laughs> I'm so glad I made right. that black box. Thank Should you again to the mods who created a randomized table for me to simply click on and get a Magic. random. It's a hollow technician programmer <gasps> named Penelope Rogue. Oh. Ensign Penelope Rogue. Ensign Rogue. I, I, I feel that I, I feel the hand and out of the corner of my eye I recognize them. Um you said what was the last name? Penelope Rogue. Instant Rogue. Penelope Rogue. Pen- Penelope Rogue and uh, um give them a, a, a quick smile and then look straight forward. 
Um, and I imagine this very cinematically, like a group of engineers completely silhouetted in this bright storm. And, um, and you just hear while it's silhouetted, just there's no need to be afraid. We're on the Ross. One by one, some of these engineers set down their data pads and join you. One by one, they stop their duties. And it, there's, there's moments of fear where they begin to realize to stop working is to accept what's happening. And it one by one, Ox Crew reaches out to other Ox Crew. It's okay, set it down. One by one, they all take, they all take sides with you Exio and stand next to you. You are looking out through the whole breach and you can see the shining blazing light of this rip in the universe. As the life's blood of what makes all that there is is spewing out into the galaxy. The Ross is headed straight for it. On the bridge. Um, Exio remembers her Kobayashi Maru test and it looked a lot like this. Just make everyone feel happy. On the bridge, the shields drop, and the Ross immediately receives another breach. <laughs> and you can hear the alarms going off as uh, I'm going to roll. How much momentum do y'all have left? Three, I believe. Uh, by my count, it was two, but I might oh, have to roll. Two. two. Okay. Of course. What other number could there possibly yeah. be in this moment? <laughs> Okay. Ross doesn't uh, run. The ship is going to lose two power. Okay. We're down to 11. The complication range Nine. increases by one. Shields drop. And the difficulty of repair all this is three. Um, you, can it is, you can hear the stress in this hull as the Ross begins to go forward and radiation levels begin to spike as the Ross enters uh, the proximity of the particle fountain. There's quiet on the bridge as y'all are racing towards it, and Prawl's voice shatters that quick moment of silence, and you hear, Captain, we're being hailed by the Ketikus. If it still works, on screen. Appearing on screen for the first time in quite a while, you see a Tholian. You can assume this is Vosrex, but it's hard to say because the last time you saw Vosrex, he was in full armor. They were completely armored up. And you can still hear that robotic metallic tone as the high-pitched, almost ear-shattering screeching of the Tholian language is translated through a very basic universal translator. And you hear through that sort of generic, uh, uh, you know, MapQuest-esque sort of like, uh, like voiced overlay of the Tholians say, I believe I have measured you correctly, humanoid. Now it must be you to finish the work of the preservers. You saved the great shard. We have not forgotten. If 
you spend the last of your momentum, I will make a roll. And the Catechus is going to intervene. But I am going to I, I'm going to make this a roll. And we can say passing with consequences. Before any of that happens, can because I'm in med bay and don't know in, what's happening anywhere, uh, can it be said that I basically just told all of my med crew to just make everyone who's hurting comfortable and I go and sit in Sorax's room and, and hold his hand okay. in the last moments? You step into Sorax, you mm -hmm. slip your hand. Just um, before we blow up, you know. Sorax. You roll anything. Sorax is he is completely out for all of this you you put your hand in his but it's weak you mm -hmm. hold it you can see his life signs are still stable but he is sleeping through all of it yes and i will not roar around you and i'm just going to get close i'm like this will be your last reflex check hmm. <laughs> as i hold um, his hand well I do hear the offer of momentum, but since uh, Saul is on screen with uh, Vosrax right now, let me make you an offer. I'd like to spend my determination that I will do anything for my crew. Done. Spend that and the three momentum and I won't roll. We only have two, but if that's enough, that's yeah. what we have to give. If you're going to burn your determination, yeah. One for each warp core, baby. I'm happy to burn momentum too if it helps. So the way <laughs> this is going to translate, the way this is going to translate is it clicks, Saul. The great shard, he's talking about the crystalline entity, the creature that you all helped deliver so long ago and give a new home one of the first life forms that was reintroduced into the galaxy because of the efforts of the Ross, that sort of weird standoff you had with Vosrix back then. You're aware that he's out of time and you've never been able to understand, as most people don't, what the motivates the Tholians. Um, but it seems to be clearly stated right now and you don't know what he has in mind. But that momentum spend and your determination, we're going to say retroactively is going to apply to Vosrix's impression of the Ross. The last time you encountered him, he appeared planetside to look you in the eyes and to get a measure of you. You saved the great shard and now you are sacrificing yourself to save the shard again. The catechus, that midsection of the ship begins to spin. It goes. The Ross is going to take another breach. I'm going to roll for it. Oh, that's another breach to the structure. Um, serious hull breaches. Sections are losing life support. Complication range of all engineering tasks are increased by three. It reduces the ship's resistance by half, rounded down. 
If you if the if the Ross sustains one more breach, she's gonna split in two. That was a bad breach. You are getting damage control and alarms blaring all over the ship. You can feel the concussive force of the Ross shaking. And as this is happening, you can see in main engineering tech, you can see portions of the Ross beginning to peel off and portions of the deck beginning to collapse. This is tech to the bridge. I'm sorry, everyone. I can't keep her together. Um, Exio, where are you right now? Oh, okay. You're, I'm, you're down I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm next to my, I'm next to me with all of my crew. We're watching. The I'm just keeping containment them. Containment fields in front of you begin to fail. And the hull in front of you begins to collapse. The, uh, I sense it in a split second, and I uh, ping um, Sing to beam everyone out of this room. How much energy is left in Eight. your pool? Eight. If you spend three, I'll roll for Sing. He'll use the transporters. Yes, he will. Emergency Go. beam out. All right. Oh, my goodness. You get an engineering check. Take I roll a moment. A one and a five. Oh, we don't have any. We don't have any momentum. Oh, that's right. We spent them all. No momentum. Um, however, that is going to succeed. The difficulty of that is was three, and he rolled a one. So uh, you say. And one from the Ross. Emergency transport. Okay, so gain one momentum. Yes. And we're down to how much power? You just sacrificed three from eight. Three, so, so five. Five left. Mm -hmm. uh, main power is starting to fail. The mains are going offline. Um, I beam them. I beam them to tech. Okay. And I say, go be with yours. And um, and then w when I see them dissipate, I walk closer to the hole and just sort of <sighs> bask in it. Um, you begin to flicker. The containment beams fail. And everything behind you begins to collapse, implode from the gravitational forces. And Exio you feel yourself slipping away as the entire main computer core begins to crunch. Your mainframe begins to just implode and you begin to flicker out of existence, seeing this phasing in and out right in front of you. I, I try to send one last, I'm like trying to hit the thing, but it isn't quite connecting. And I think for one split second, Captain, you get a very broken message that just says, I'll see you on the other side. Gene, the last thing, the last reading you get from the sensors before they go completely offline is a massive burst of chronotonic energy coming from the Ketikus. And I on the view screen, just before you lose the view screen, you see one of those nets go and detach and fly towards the Ross. I think it's fair to say at this point, Jane's not looking at the screen. She's looking at Shanto. So okay. I think someone else might have to see that. But okay. Yeah. From the outside, the Ross is flying apart until a golden net shot from 
the catechus envelops them just as you enter the boundary of the particle fountain. You are a small little speck of a dot against a great white canvas, a flick of paint from across the room that just happened to land in the center. Less than a grain of sand amongst the gargantuan spatial anomaly that you have flown into. And somehow that precious little speck is enough. You spent that momentum and you called upon the net that envelops the Ross begins to run time. Moments later, there is a roaring sound around the Ross. Captain, there's a white flash of light. You can hear the hull failing. You can hear the metal bending. You can hear your ship dying. You can feel the Ross becoming nothing. And then you hear the gentle chirping of sensors and the low ambient hum of your bridge. What's coming through the sensors right now? You glance down, Jane, and you are currently right where you're supposed to be. No particle fountain. Oh. Instead, what you see is what looks like some kind of singularity that is in the process of imploding right in front of you. And it slowly shrinks to a pinpoint on screen and vanishes right before your eyes. It's like the mirror effect of the universe warping and then it's gone. Salt to Axio. Axio, you are right where you were seconds ago. And behind you is a completely intact engine room. There's not even a hull breach in front of you. Hello, Captain. I guess we made it to the other side then. And what of you? Get back up to the bridge! As you wish, Captain. Blip. Exio appears in front of you. Prawl! Finally blurts out. What the fuck? I just have my arms wrap around my... Uh, one around my exo, one, frankly, around my ambassador, and over my shoulder. Someone get me a status report! Yeah, I'd be on the lookout, too, for that down in engineering. What's going on? What's the hickety-heck? How do, do I have shields? Do I have power? What's what's the sitch? Um, go ahead and make a... <laughs> yeah, I would say tech. Yeah. Go ahead and make a computer's engineering check for the Ross. You are going to make a control engineering check. The difficulty is zero. All right. 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do any of my... Uh, the Ross is deeply confused. <laughs> Either containment fields, dual warp cores, uh, subspace theory? Maybe not that one. Do any of those apply? Subspace theory would apply. Oh, cool. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah, subspace theory would apply. Great. So that's a crit. So that's three successes. Okay, so game three momentum. The Ross is fully functional. Her shields are up. She's at red alert. Um, what is the empathic status report? You are at, you are at full power. There is not a single breach on the hull. You have full shields. Captain, we're fully up and running. We got full power, full shields. We're good to um, go. To answer your question, Olin, you feel like you are all not alone out here. It's the best way to explain it. We did it. Captain, this isn't going to make a lot of sense, but um, the Ross is apparent. Hmm. I guess the shard needed a younger sibling. I guess so. And Sol reaches around behind them in their chair and slowly pulls something ye of little faith, and knocks the ball against the back of Ren's chair. Ren doesn't even respond. His mouth is agape as he's staring at the view screen. He just goes, doo -doo, and he just, whoa. Captain? Yes? What did happen? I admit, I think I was out before we reached the light. It's my fault. How? I had an experience that told me we, we had two choices. We could run or we could stay. There were beings being born into this universe that needed an anchor. And we were the only anchor that could be provided. I'm sorry I put you at risk. You did nothing of the sort. It sounds like you made a very brave choice. And as you see, everyone seems to be just fine. Just don't know how it happened. You have ship sensors. If y'all want to know what's going on, all you have to do is run a sweep. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> Let's do it. Yep, that's that's your periscope. Are we on the other side? I just need to know. How Lots would we now? Um, Lacat. Yes. Asmi gasps a little bit and touches the side of your face that should hurt. Is my burn still there? No. No, it is not. All right. Someone go looking for the chronotons already. I'm looking for the chronotons. 
was hoping to wear that to our wedding. Run a scan. The difficulty is one. Interference from the particle fountain is no longer present. That's going to be reason science. And the Ross, of course, is going to roll her usual. Come on, Ross. Sorry. No help. No help from Don't Jane. you have technical expertise? All night, I got two 18s. This is just above my number. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah. Honestly, I'll take a mystery. Wait, after hold this. on, hold on. Actually, technical expertise, whenever you attempt to task the by the ship's computer, it says that you may re roll 1d20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I rolled a one! You can't make this up! <laughs> yeah. momentum. I love story <laughs> dice. My dog just howled next to me, too. <laughs> get very excited. Um, Jane? Yes? Sensors have you... Um, the lay of the land is quite interesting. There is no sign of the Catechus. You are pretty much the location that the particle fountain was originally located at its apex. There is no particle fountain or even a trace of a singularity. The ship is saturated with chroniton particles that are dissipating rapidly. In fact, the sensors are detecting what looks like the remains of a Tholian web that was saturated in chroniton particles that seem to have been cast over the entire hull of the ship. It's interacting with the energy that was coming out of the particle fountain seems to have had a very curious effect on the vessel. It, it's like the Ross's personal chronometer in the time stream reversed and undid everything. Yet you all fully remember everything that had happened up until that point. Further, there's no sign of the warbirds. There is a Klingon battle cruiser about 60,000 kilometers uh, to port, probably filled with Klingons trying to figure out what the hell just happened. But that's not what really grabs your attention. Space all around the Ross is filled with life. And you glance up from the sensor screen to the main view screen, which is now attracting the attention of everyone on the bridge and you see thousands of creatures of all different kinds out in front of the Ross. Some of these look very familiar, like creatures you encountered in, the, in your travels that emerged from subspace and only withdrew back in. You see creatures that have been documented by Starfleet before that have been interacted with, but you see, Jane, for you, creatures that resemble some of the files that you were given when you all received the data from Re that have been extinct for millennia. You see them all out before Ross. Some of them linger and some of them are exploring. Some of them look like they're figuring out where they are and some of them are near the Ross curiously examining it. These creatures look like of different kinds. Some of them look like rocks with flaps on their side. Some of them look like giant bulbous life forms that have these sort of, uh, sort of like tentacle-like things moving off the back of them that vibrate in a frequency that causes an ambient glow around the body. And some of them are curiously fish-like or whale-like. Some of them look un not, not like anything you've ever seen. Some of them look like they're flying trees. You see some of them that look like organic plants that are somehow existing in the vacuum of space. There's just too many. 
there are, for lack of a better way of saying it, over 45,000 different species that have never been recorded before, all being documented right now by the Ross. Um, and many of them are scattering out into the cosmos, exploring and reaching out. Sensors is detecting uh, like an entire ecosystem that has spontaneously reappeared in the galaxy for the first time since their extinction. It's like a like an ocean. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. I um, think they're going to have screen. to redefine uh, first contact day. Yeah. Um, I hope Dr. Yada is seeing this. Can I look at the scans? Or is it? Um, are all these creatures? Um, I guess this is a question that I'd be down to roll for. Um, is this? Uh, how old are they reading as? Is this like their first day of birth or is it just creatures who have reappeared, I guess? It's hard to say with okay. all the chronotonic energy in, mm -hmm. in the area, it's damn near impossible to find out how old these things are. Okay, well, we'll take all the information we can get. And I want to make sure I, uh, Lieutenant LeCat to Dr. Yada. Uh, I'm seeing this, Lieutenant. I'm, I'm seeing this. Yeah, I and just wanted to make sure you were seeing it. I'm speaking to some of them. Are are they friendly, I hope? They're curious, and I suspect just as confused as we are. But some of them have memory. Ooh. As though as though they had been brought back. I don't know how to explain it. It's it's as if they they've returned. I I can't explain. They're part of our timeline now, I guess you could say. Tell yeah. Dr. Yada I'd love to have a conversation with him about it. Ah. Oh Captain Bessler would love to see you. You're Dr. Yada's voice. Captain, I I believe I understand now how it is that I knew. How how it is I knew where planet Redis was. The the beings that sent the probe to Earth in search for the humpback whales. They're same beings. A, a race of cetaceans that so much information, Captain. I I can't believe it. I'm speaking to my primal ancestors. Well, then stop wasting any time talking to me. Go catch up. Bye, I'll be sitting here hoping that Q is deeply flummoxed. You've met Q. Q, look. We're kind of a big deal. As you sink back into the captain's chair, you receive a hail from Narendra Station asking for a status update. And Prawl looks at you and says, oh, what should I tell them, sir? The truth. Aye, Captain. Let's start with the weird thing. Watch Captain, I'm storm. also getting a clear signal of life forms now coming from the USS Johnson. 
Good. We need to start rest. Well, we need to get in contact with them, find out what their status is, but prepare an away team for rescue operations with them. We might even need to track to a friend for once. Aye, Captain. <sighs> and as the Ross begins to back towards the USS Johnson, the life forms all around you begin to scatter out, <clears throat> searching for a new life here amongst stars. It's, if you can imagine, think of it as like if you were, um, if you were hand gliding and you were suddenly surrounded by flocks of beautiful birds all around the, sh all around you. In the case of the Ross, you were literally in like a coral reef of activity, of life swarming around the Ross. She feels familiar to all of them. Somehow they know her. The gateway that the Ross formed as an anchor. The impressions to synchronize with this universe. Each one of these life forms won't know how they know what they know as they evolve moving forward. But each one of them is going to take a piece of the friendship that you all experienced on the Ross, your losses, your gooseitude. <laughs> Everything, all of the experiences that you've all had ever since you left Space Dock, the anchor points to synchronize with this reality, the impressions that have been left on these creatures as they dispatch themselves out into the cosmos. And the Ross approaches the Johnson and begins the very mundane activity of rescuing her crew. And I'll turn on the bridge. Axio, go out there and tell us what the view's like from outside. Of course. Uh, I blip outside, but I, my eyes are the view down on screen as if I'm, uh, I've hailed the Ross with my own vision of the outside. It's going to be an image that will be studied by astrobiologists for decades to come. Wait, can I, can I get my ring and like swim out there? Like, can I go like literally like out amongst everything? You, you remember you they have- They can always tractor me back. You have, plan, you have planetary range. <gasps> then I don't get my ring because it's in a box that I don't know about. I just <laughs> go literally out amongst them. Well, you would need your ring to leave the ship. Oh, anytime well then, you any. Well, then yes, anytime, I do. Then I. Yeah. Then uh, what'll happen is, uh, Sol reaches under their seat. Yeah. Uh, for a box. Uh, <laughs> presses and twists, and unlocks it, and there's a shh. They pull out the ring. Go ahead and listen to it while you're gone. Okay. Then cinematically, I'm swimming amongst this the the this 
sea of life while the voiceover from the black box message plays to the audience <laughs> and to Exio. Okay. And that's where we're going to pause for our break. Wait, before we do, because I can't let uh, a, such a beautiful moment happen without, of course, a Dr. McCrell uh, miscommunication. Um, it wouldn't be a Clear Skies episode without one. So I want to quickly cut to me holding Sorex's hand and like just seeing how everything's okay now and just holding his hand and going, oh, I will have to fill you in when you awake. You slept through some very low-reaching excrement. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say you missed some deep shit. Sandra, but uh, thank you on that. that note, we can take a break. <laughs> we'll be back in 10 minutes with the second part of our Clear Skies finale. Welcome back as we begin our second half of our Clear Skies finale. We're going back to the USS Ross, who is currently at cruising speeds, headed back to Narendra Station with the survivors of the USS Johnson and a hell of a story to tell. Um, currently, the crew of the Ross is a bonded family unit. Every single person on this ship was going to their end and got a second chance for saving the day, got a second chance. You can feel the energy in the air. Even to those of you who are not empathic can see every crew member is talking to the other crew members. People are walking side by side. There's a little more laughter in the hallways from stupid jokes. Um, there's a little more activity going on. And for you, Olin, somebody who is empathic, you were overwhelmed with the feelings of gratitude and joy at being alive and to witness what the Ox crew witnessed. Um, the crew of the USS Johnson is being integrated into the crew right now. They're telling their story. They did lose some people. So they are dealing with that, but the welcoming arms of the Ox crew has been a healing balm for them. Captain, you've taken this time on the journey back to Narendra Station <clears throat> to walk the decks of your ship and to move through the areas, knowing full well that this is likely going to be one of the last times as captain of this vessel that you're going to be able to survey your ship like this as you return home <clears throat> walking through the vessel you catch little moments of the ox crew bonding with each other <clears throat> little things that's happening one of the big ones is is that uh one of the ox crew members lieutenant Tapris, is holding a potluck celebration on the promenade deck where everyone is asked to bring whatever food they want. You can only imagine your chief engineer is having a field day with that one, and rightly so. Um, the promenade deck has become a sort of a place of celebration where people are recounting their moments and their near misses, their near hits, and remembering what it is they saw, but also sharing stories about their time here on the Ross as everyone is starting to 
really it's starting to settle in how all of this has happened around the same time that duty assignments are scheduled to shift. It all just seemed like such a distant thing to not even worry about. But now it has this sort of hysterical normality to it in the face of such incredible things that you've witnessed and experienced in just the past 48 hours. Little mundane things are funny. Little concerns, little anxieties that just eat away at us every day of our lives. We give them so much time. We give them such a loud volume setting when they take the mic. All of that seems rather muted, at least for right now, as everyone is enjoying food that they may not even necessarily like at the potluck, but my goodness, they smile and laugh at it and eat more. The refugees on the shuttlecraft deck have also been invited. And the Gazenti are seeing now for the first time how people are treating each other here on the holodeck, or rather I should say the promenade. And doctor, you are with them the whole time. Uh, I have a data pad showing um, some of the highlights of the battle, like when we've when all the hull breaches we caused and Sela's ship and different things like that, just kind of just to get play doing some instant replay, uh, playback for them just to show, like, ah, remember the people who heard your ship? Told you mine were warriors. So mm. just for fun. During this celebration, people milling about. Captain, you catch a glimpse of two people who are apparently having a very interesting conversation about you know just on the other side of one of these tables near the holographic fountain leaning in close is jane lecat and asmi shanto having what appears to be a pretty interesting conversation look it's right by the dessert table and obviously <laughs> those who there. can't cook bring dessert and so i have um you, you, well, i have some mint chocolate chip with me you, you also have years of experience in Starfleet intelligence and covert operations. <laughs> and that's how I know about the dessert table. This is the expertise you get in Starfleet intelligence. Never forget. Lacat. Oh, go ahead, Xander. I will say just as flavor, most of the uh -huh. stuff that's at the potluck is sort of like replicated seafood based. And it's a weird sort of like revenge for sort of what they put <laughs> us through. But okay. some of these things may look weirdly similar to our friends on the outside. Oh, no. Okay. Just prepared in different ways. Sure, sure. Um, look at Asmi, you and her the question finally comes up. It hasn't been asked, but it finally comes up in the middle, uh, in the lull between conversations. She um, nods to somebody who's leaving and she reaches out and she takes your hand for a moment. And uh, you see her somewhat hesitant before she finally says, listen, um, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but I just need to say it now. Just. The burn marks would have looked cooler if we had just like kept them. No, 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 no. I mean, no, 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 no. Sure? That's, not what I, that's not what I was going to say. I was going like to say. You look really dignified and it's like someone you don't Jane. want to talk. Yes. I'm here. She says, did you mean what you said? 
Which part? When we thought we were going to die. I've always meant all of it when I'm talking with you. Of course I meant it. You really want to marry me? <laughs> Who wouldn't? I mean, have you? She just immediately you? just honestly like, <laughs> right? that no one else has locked you down. I thought I was gonna have to be fighting off people. Please shut up! Oh my god! <laughs> she <laughs> puts her head in her hands. She's gonna like pick her up and like you know like kind of like twirl her around and like give her a kiss. And it's just she's, like, of course, of course I want to She's a mess. Her. When you pick her up and twirl her around, when you look back at her to give her a kiss, she is just, she is a mess. She is just, she's she's at, the, by the time you set her back down, Jane, she's already in the middle of choking. It's okay. Up, like, choking. you got to get this all out. You can't do this at the altar. There will be, there will be pictures. It's going to be immortalized. She <laughs> just throws her arms you. around you and buries her head into the nape of your neck and just cries. I love you. I love you. I love you. Captain, that is what you were hearing at the dessert table. I thought we said no more holes in the ship. My heart is part of the ship. Snooping, Captain? I would and have never. My record is pristine of any such thing. You know you can't lie to me, right? That's what makes it so fun. I'm really They're happy going through them. with it. <laughs> Amazing. Good to I... know. Well, so you understand that we're going to have to work the system for them. Absolutely. There is no way that Shanto is going to any kind of a JAG assignment separate from wherever the cat is. And you and I have the most people that we have one over on or can convince people that we do. And so it's our duty to make sure that those two stay together. Absolutely. Agreed wholeheartedly. I haven't actually asked Jane what she plans on doing next. But at least now I know she's going wherever... Well, they're going wherever the others goes. I've put in a couple of letters. We'll see what comes up from it. There are some options. <laughs> of course you have. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> that you are thorough and thoughtful and always the uh, epitome of foresight. You know you can't lie to me. <laughs> that wasn't a lie. Come get a drink with me. Don't have to ask me twice. Traveling at lower warp is giving the Ross a chance to take a break from flying at warp 10 to get where you needed to go in 24 hours. Um, in that time, Captain, moments like these persist as you move throughout the vessel. Moving throughout the ship deck by deck, you catching little moments. Um, you catch at one point while you are in, <laughs> while you're on the promenade, you catch a Lieutenant Amara teaching her friend Ash how to speak Klingon. 
because they're both going to be stationed on Narendra after this assignment. You can see them eating ice cream, going over things again and again. They'll pronounce it, no, 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 no. It's more of a, you've got to almost spit. It's more so like, ha, ha. Yes, like that. And as you move past the two of them, it freezes in your mind as a, a snapshot. You begin to realize it's time to start collecting those last memories. You move through the corridors and the halls. You return to the promenade deck when you think no one is there, but you come across a Lieutenant Hegel who has been a Vulcan who is currently in the process of crafting what looks like exquisite ship models to be installed uh, here on not only the Ross, but a display that will be put on the Ranger Station. Methodically going through each ship model and just making sure that everything has been crafted perfectly in this big open space that she has. Thank she you for reminding through. me. I needed to commission a miniature of the Ross from her. So you um, approach Lieutenant Hagel, speaking to the Vulcan. She is a little taken aback when you approach her, but she does nod. She's a little bit short for a Vulcan, a little bit shorter than you normally see. Green hair, wears a long braid rather than the traditional shortcut. Um, and she is more than happy to accommodate as you approach. She does nod and listen to give you giving her specs of how the Ross model should appear. And it keeps going from there. And at one point, as you're moving through the ship, stepping onto the turbo lift, you stand next to a chief petty officer who you've seen time and time again as you've entered the brig uh, during those moments where you've had to put people in your brig. This is Chief Petty Officer Tracy, and he looks at you with a bit of a grin on his face as you're standing next to him and says, Captain, Chief? sir, may I say something? Yes, I suppose. Sir, I just wanted to say it's been an honor serving on the Ross. I'm to transfer off, and it's been a pleasure. I was your security chief in the brig, and I just got to say, it was a pleasure putting the people that you put into that brig, sir. Well, take that energy with you because this whole crew, the duty assignments are shaking out and it's our job to bring the Ross wherever we go, honks and all. <clears throat> yes, sir. Good work. Thank you, Captain. Shh. You step off the turbo lifts. You're passing by some of the common areas that are found here on the decks, moving past the holodecks, 
moving past some of the common areas that are just like sectioned off areas of the corridor. They're widened and actually have seated areas with potted plants and things to make it look more homey and friendly. And as you're moving across deck 13, walking past Cetacean Ops, as the door opens, you can hear the frantic conversations of Dr. Yada and uh, and a certain Jashashian professor, doc, doctor, having passionate conversations about the implications. There's an entire ecosystem in subspace. Closing as you walk past. You also catch little things that have some continuity, Captain. You come across Ensign Tajik, who is currently surrounded by friends, particularly a Lieutenant Jola Chevalis who you know was currently in the process of studying to become more proficient in cybernetic uh, replacement limbs. <clears throat> and they're joined by crewman Christian. The three of them, these friends, are sitting around a table, and you can see Ensign Tajik is flexing a new cybernetic replacement to his hand. Just... <laughs> two crew member are very encouraging and are giving all of the support as you walk past them you can see basically somebody getting their first prosthetic limb and their friends congratulating them and asking them how does it feel you good and i was a little nervous this feels okay and she moving past snapshot after snapshot of the life of this crew captain as you move throughout the corridors the ecosystem is not just outside the hull, this great swath of life that you've reintroduced into the galaxy. But you begin to realize, as you move through and observe the Ox crew, there's a whole ecosystem that has always been alive in the Ross, making the ship fly. And it's hard not to feel an overwhelming sense of pride as you move throughout them. They've been with us this whole time through thick and thin, and you reemerge onto the bridge, and it opens up just in time to hear Vren say, now approaching Narendra Station, slowing to half impulse. Captain on the bridge. And on the main view screen, Captain, you do indeed see that familiar sight. Make it a good one, Vren. Absolutely. Engaging maneuvering thrusters. Narendra Station, this is the USS Ross. Requesting permission to dock. USS Ross, this is Narendra Station. Welcome home. Permission granted. Maneuvering or well, may I have the con? <laughs> we cut to... Thank you. The interior of Admiral Hebert's office with Commander Exio and Captain Azarisal. Exio, she looks up at you, she's looking at the data pad and she just goes, well, that's a hell of a report. You sure you want command of this ship? More than anything, Admiral. Well, all right. Have you seen this ship? I can't believe I, someone else isn't trying to snatch it up. I performed Shakespeare on that ship. Kinda. She stands up, moves around to the other side of the desk and extends her hand to you, Captain, and says, Captain, 
I don't know what you've been told, but I can tell you, just from looking at our history books, that Starfleet looks pretty favorably on captains who help save the galaxy. Well done. And she extends her hand. Well, I definitely did it all for the sake of my personal history and aggrandizement, but a oh, little I bit know. of galaxy saving won't hurt. I know. I know. There's Here. no way we would have installed somebody with no ego at the helm of the USS Ross. Wouldn't dream of it. Nor am I. Fortunately, my successor has excellent and perfectly tuned self-esteem. There's a chirp at the door and he goes, she goes, I... This is the moment I've been waiting for. Enter. Chief Tech is standing in the doorway. She says, come on in, Chief. Glad you made time for me. Well, we're not alone. I wanted everyone to be here because I want to hear what your answer is to my proposal. Come on, take a seat. You want to drink? Yes, I would. All right. She starts pouring a glass. Says, there you go. Sets it down in front of you and says, so what it'll be, Chief. Not to cut straight to it, but mm, I need a chief engineer. I want it to be you. What's your answer? I think, sorry, Captain, I'm home. I'll take the position here on Narendra Station. We've sort of introduced a whole ecosystem out there, and I feel partially responsible, and I think that you're going to need an engineer here on the station. I think so. Get ready, because you're about to be wearing pips. I was afraid of that part. Yeah. But Captain I'm glad Ricard. I get to fast track. <laughs> well, you earn some favor with an admiral who likes you. Don't let that go to your head. I would never. So. Exio, Exio turns to you now with uh, another pip on her collar. Captains, excuse me. She says, don't worry. The pips will look great on you. They look great on you. They always have. Oh, I have a recommendation for a chief engineer of the Ross. If you're I, looking for one. I think I have my own ideas. Very good. I trust your judgment. Something tells me it might be the same recommendation. Yep. I'd say I'd trust the ship's counselor more than anything that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly True. not the Ross's former captain. I hear they're an absolute wildling who will fly into a particle fountain on a moment's notice. No wonder they're being taken off the ship. Couldn't trust them. I will miss those one-on-one -on -one meetings. Can't be a counselor as a captain. Not in the same capacity, anyway. No. But and in a different one. Trust me. <laughs> if you ever have some free time, you're a damn fine engineer, Sol. We could use you on the station. Mm. Now that's a thought, and from you, a compliment. I don't know if my dancing's up to it, though. We'll get you there. It's all You'll the work. You'll have plenty of dancing to do on board the USS Sovereign. Talk about sweet digs. No one ever suffered on a flagship assignment. It's very, very generous of you, Admiral. 
Well, it seems like I'm always being put in a position where I have to give you away. But when it gets made official, they do plan on giving you the USS Ross, Exio. And due to the actions of the USS Ross, you're going to have a lot of say in what your next duty assignment is. I would like to propose for you to consider staying here in Shackleton Expanse with me. I could use the Ross out here, and frankly, there's no ship that's better equipped to, well, follow up with whatever it is that you all unleashed out there when you saved the galaxy. Don't say yes right away, Axio. Every admiral is going to be knocking down your door with similar sweet words. You want to hear them all good advice. It's good advice. Think it over, Captain. <laughs> I will. Well, Captain Saul, I have orders for you. And she reaches down to her desk and hands you a data pad and says, the USS Ross is to undergo a small refit. So she's being called back to Starbase One for the next three months, in which you will be reassigned to the USS Sovereign. It'd be good Captain, to spend some time at home. I gotta tell you, Captain, it's been a pleasure. A real pleasure. Don't get too comfy out there. Couldn't if I tried. But this will always be a little bit of home, too. Thank you for making it that way. Chief Tech, I'm putting you to work right away. I'm here for it. I'll leave you all to say goodbye, then. And she leaves her own office, steps out the door. Well... I guess this is it. You finally got your way. I'm Starfleet. You got me in. You've had the officers calling you, sir, since the first month on this tour. Mm. And what a tour. Mm. <laughs> and good. You've finally gotten rid of me. Well done. <laughs> we'll see. She's very lucky, you know. It was like I told Exie, you, you, you know how valuable you are, and you don't let her forget that either. I don't care if she's an admiral. I don't care if she's the supreme mugwump of the stars. Mm. And now that there's more hollow emitters here, I can get up to some nasty things. Well, we, I did spend a lot of time with multiple yous in a crisis. You're very handy. Now I know why you're leaving me. Yeah, no. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm glad that everyone's okay. It was, it was not the best time watching friends blink out on a screen. And I, I never want that to happen again. There are so many friends who are here because you kept the Ross safe. Thank you, Tech. It's my job. And he'll just walk out. 
Chief Tech. With that, exits the Admiral's office and heads to your new duty assignment as Chief Engineer of Narendra Station. Get I would like with... a moment to say goodbye to Chief Tech, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll be passing by Med Bay for sure. Cool, well, we'll cool, say, cool. yeah, you're on the promenade. Mm. Because McCrell is... Uh, in the time that you have all returned, uh, Sorex has been transferred back to the medical facility here at Narendra Station. And overseeing that has been McCrell. And you have, uh, he has requested to see you in the next hour now that he's conscious again, McCrell. So you're out yes. on the main promenade when you see Tech exiting the Admiral's office from the higher level, moving down the ramp and heading past the promenade. And you see him. Doctor. I'm, damn it! I was gonna, I was gonna pick up something nearby and do a reflex test. <laughs> Just kidding! It. I was like, I'm not gonna throw something at you. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. Twenty ever. points of stress is <laughs> dies terribly. Uh, that's uh, how it ends. And that's how it ends. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no reflexes, mm. Doctor. You were fantastic back there. I know it was a lot to deal with. With our refugee friends, Sorex, and all of the injured. Well, Chief, my job was keeping everyone together, but you kept everyone together, meaning the ship didn't explode and we didn't fly out into space. Well, it kind so of technically did, but we got it was better. a group effort. Mm. I hear that you are staying. Well, maybe I didn't hear that. You're Either. staying. I'm assuming. Word travels fast. Oh, yes. yeah, oh, I heard it. So yeah. also, McCrell has great hearing. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> no, the offer was made and nothing stays quiet very long yeah. on the ship. <laughs> so you are staying here? Yeah. And there might be room if you'd like to join me. I think I have um, a mission of my own to take care of. But Chief... Your brother was a great doctor, but you are a great man, and it was an honor serving with you. Doctor, and he'll reach out to sort of grab your shoulders. You are family. You're one of the last connections that I have to Reiku, and I will never lose that. You visit me here, okay? And I'll read about you in the medical journals. Yes, you will. And I will visit. There's going to be a lot of biological life out here that's worth exploring. And also, I have to visit my family. Darn right. Um, and with that, I'm just going to... He's And he's a lot taller than me, too. And I'm just going to be mm. looking up at him and just going to go... Mm and sigh and then just give him a big hug might <laughs> might not Call i'm gonna try and control my strength <laughs> but it might hurt a little bit you might feel a crack <laughs> but it, it, maybe you know what you're aligned now you're aligned your back feels great oh yeah, yeah. Ugh, now it's been out of place since the barfa coaster <laughs> yes maybe do a little snap crackle popple 
Oh, we're going to have the best Lulabelle celebrations on Narendra. You'll have to visit for that. I can't wait to visit and see what you've done to the kitchens. Mm. And with that, Tech will head out. Yeah. Welcome to Starfleet. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's not long later, McCrell, that you find yourself in the main sick bay. Mm. Um, and as you enter main sick bay, the Klingon just looks at you and goes, he's waiting for you. Just go. And you move past her. Shh, the doors open. You see main sick bay is quite active with people busy as usual in a big space station like this. You step into the intensive care unit and you see Sorex is leaning up in bed with his eyes open and a couple of assisted devices to help him with breathing. Mm -hmm. But he looks much better than he did. But clearly still very injured. Mm -hmm. And he you do see a small smile crack across that slender handsome face of his as mm -hmm. you walk in the door. How's my favorite patient? I wouldn't know. I'm not capable of gathering intelligence or spying on anyone right now. Mm. However, I feel fine. You're trying to get me to admit something that I will not. Mm. <laughs> that you are my favorite patient. But I'm not going to say that out loud. You're going to assume it. My favorite thing about you, Doctor, is I don't have to try to read you. Mm. You tell me everything you're thinking, right to my face. Yes. Sometimes not correctly. Apparently, I need to work on my metaphors. Yes. But so... you... You will be up and Adam in no time. He looks at you like Adam, you know, like um like the with the electrons and neutrons and you'll be up and rotating yes. around like an atom. I think that's what it means. Science. Hmm. You're a doctor. <laughs> I don't know the I don't know the English phrase. I don't fucking care. You're amazing. Bye. Sir X chews on that for a minute and just says, "Very well." Will you be staying here? With Pagino dead, I presume. I think I might. Finally, head back to Romulus. I understand that there have been new leadership changes over there, and I'd like to be a part of that. Just like you will go and help your people, I'm going back and helping mine. So please, stay in touch, and maybe we can help each other. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see them again, but could you do me a favor and just pass on my well wishes to the ambassador? Yes. Pulling a 
gun on them was probably the smartest thing I've ever done. I will not do that to them as I <laughs> give them your well wishes, but I will hug them from the back and share your message. If you hug them from the back, don't tell them it was from me. They may not trust it. The hug will be for me. Thank you for they are also need They also need alignment. Their lower back. Thank you Lots for saving stress. my Thank you for saving my life, Doctor. I'm going to get some rest now. Yes. It was an honor. He reaches up his hand suddenly. Reaches it out to you. Do you not do you not take his hand? Oh, I do. No, <laughs> I was just. I was waiting. I was like a dramatic moment. I was, I, yes, I'll take his hand. Okay. You take his hand. He squeezes it gently and just says, "It was an honor." Do you mind if I try something? Maybe. Um. And with that, uh, I'm just going to, in my mind, put out a message of don't be a stranger and try and send it to his, in his head. You see his eyes flutter for a moment. Is it almost like he's having an ice cream headache? He's yeah, just... it might hurt a little bit. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'll work on that. Do that. As always, your love hurts. Hmm. I do need to work more on my bedside manner, but I think you like it. <laughs> That's came out wrong too. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pat his or arm. Or did it come out right? <laughs> I'm gonna just. You know what I mean. I'm gonna. <laughs> do I? I've had a moment. Macrell like go. drops the accent and just goes, "You know what I mean." You know what I mean. Look, it's been great. You know, been this is our consenting talk. Um. All right. Yeah. Um. Uh, really point. quick before I leave, neither station since Ambassador Abear is here, I'm uh putting in a request as uh to be, um, I guess, discharged from the Ross and sent back to Starfleet headquarters with the Kazinti in order to kind of um, help them find Sanctuary, see if, if they can actually become so, a part of Starfleet. Then let's play that, because okay. you're going to be in front of the, the, the Admiral, and she looks at this and just goes, Doctor, I've got to ask you. Why are you handing this to me and not your captain? I just take it back and leave the room. <laughs> Give it to Exio. You hear her say as you. Uh, oh, duh. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> you just, you just the moment you stare like, at her for oh, a moment. Yeah. You take it. <laughs> I love how that doesn't even face her. It's just like, oh, Exio's captain now? Okay. Oh, Whoops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. yeah. Okay. Like, I couldn't see that Always coming. Lost. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk to my captain. Okay. So before all of this happens, though, 
in the ambassador's office here on Narendra Station. As the door opens, um, this has been a this this has been constantly like a temporary hub for you, Olin. You've been here, but it's never really been your home, especially because you've been stationed across the galaxy, then brought back again. Um, looking at this office, and it's kind of sparse in the way it's decorated, but Admiral Abair is in your office now as you're looking around. She says, well, I don't know what your plans are, Ambassador. Are you planning on staying on board the Ross? I, I have been avoiding putting too much thought into it. I honestly don't know what happens next for me. A lot has changed in the last however many months, weeks, days. Well, since you've made some friends with higher-ups, I can already tell you that Starfleet's probably going to reassign you back to the Alpha Quadrant for all the incredible work you did during the negotiations with the Dominion. Dominion's not the only people they're trying to negotiate with out there, Ambassador. There's a lot of people that need to forge new friendships. They could use an ambassador like you. Something to consider, of course. And I will. If none of that appeals to you, I have an empty office. There's a conversation I think I need to have first. Let me know. Of course. She steps out of the room. How many more times are you going to have this conversation, Olin? Well, what's one more? And uh, they tap their their combat sh uh, computer. Locate uh, Captain Azari Sul, please. So, where do you want this scene to take place? Captain's ready room, back aboard the Ross. Here on the Ranger Station, you choose the scene. Hmm. Sure. Let's. Uh... I think Sol is uh, wandering the promenade. Okay. Probably. They're very, very excited for the changeover, and I think one of the ways that they are being as excited is intentionally avoiding captain spots. You are currently They're being not in the ready room. That's gonna be that's going to be Axios soon yeah. every time they think of that. And so they're they're being in like public areas or like ten forward. Oh, ten forward. I should be in ten forward. You are currently looking at uh, you are enjoying this promenade right now while you can Saul. right now there are holographic birds flying overhead near the windows that look out into space and the holographic trees that are appearing everywhere and next to you wearing a very slim fitted full suit with purple sash and a slight technological ambient glow around the edges giving this sort of strange halo is a very very well-dressed Solon, who is serving drinks and sets down right in front of you and goes, and one for the hero of the day. Serving drinks and serving looks. Yep. Yes. And Solon sets the glass down and says, so, 
I hear we're having a lot of change-ups lately, and I believe we are going to have a new captain soon. That is the scuttlebutt on this boat. It's going to come through uh, very, very soon, and you'll finally be rid of me, but a lot of people are moving around. You're going to have to learn new names. That's true. But I'm good at that. You are. What have you learned? I ask because when you first took command of this ship, you came off to me like somebody who had something to prove and not in that sort of punk kid kind of way. The Ross was always kind of like a chess piece on the board with Starfleet Command. And we have always known that this was just kind of a symbol. No one was really behind what the Ross was doing. You came in here with a fire under your ass and ready to make sure that they knew that this was going to be something bigger than what they expected. And it became that. So I'm curious. After going through everything you've been through, Captain Azuri Saul, first Orion and Starfleet, what'd you get out of it? Aside from, you know, couple of people that like you. Well, you're not allowed to take the answer out of my mouth now, are you? I'm a bartender. But now it... You're right. I came in with something to prove, and I feel entirely vindicated and successful in that, because look at all of these folks that Starfleet wasn't really giving a chance and look how far they're going now. They just needed a boost. Yeah. But me? I think I learned that it's important to be the first Orion captain in Starfleet. But there's an Azuri, too. Hmm. I'll take Good that. answer. Really good answer. Wasn't aware I was being graded. Oh, yeah. And then they stop and look back and say, looks like you've got some company. And as they step aside, you see Olin approaching. Hi. Hi. Solon uh, nods and says, Ambassador, you're looking absolutely divine as usual. As are you. Of course I am. If you need anything, just let me know and I'm happily deliver some more drinks. Thank you. I'll just start with my usual. And with that, Solon moves back to the bar. I'm hearing a lot of rumors flying around. Well, don't keep them to yourself. What are you doing? I'm taking captaincy of the Sovereign. It is an extremely prestigious flagship. 
and right after I made captain of the Sovereign, the Nexio gets the Ross. That feels more than right. How about you? Well, I guess that depends on where it is I am most needed. Most wanted? Well, the Dominion might have you most wanted. Hmm. Possibly. I was speaking to the Admiral. She mentioned that I might have my pick of assignments considering all that we've done. And I... I'm, um... It's not that I'm not sure. But... If I'm going to make this choice, I need to know that the person on the other side of it wants what I want to. That seems like very wise diplomacy. But you're such an excellent communicator and well, with those empathic skills, I don't imagine you would have any problem finding out how people on the other side of things might feel, what they might want. Someone needs to be your net. I hear you like jumping without looking first. And someone ought to hold hands alongside me because they could use a little more air whooshing across their skin. Don't ask for assignment on the Sovereign. Okay. Good. <sighs> so, should we have some of these drinks? It's not from our stash, but it's a damn fine Cabernet, if I say. Let's get into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I'll link, do the arm link. Mm-hmm. All right. The next couple of days, some of the ox crew that is scheduled to shift and change off of the USS Ross begins to make that change over. And during this time, this transitionary period where people are changing their duty shifts, there are some promotions being handed out. Also, word has made it throughout the ship that Captain Sol has accepted the center chair of the USS Sovereign. And the crew is abuzz learning that Commander Exio is set to become the first holographic captain in Starfleet. It is all over the Federation news channels. Um, 
even so much as the Voyager's doctor has gone on live television and broadcast across the Federation space of everyone who's paying attention to this to talk about what a huge momentous step this is. Um, and not only incredible fields of technologies, but pushing the boundaries and what a perfect that it's the USS Ross, the flagship, the diplomatic flagship and the prototype vessel that was meant to be a symbol of a post-war uh, Starfleet. Um, the scuttlebutt is alive on the Ross, but it's tempered with sort of that bittersweetness of goodbyes as Ox crew are staging farewell parties for each other and duty shifts are starting to take place. I would like you all to tell me for those who are relevant to do so, because these conversations have been happening, how you would like to let folks know what their news positions are and what you want to do. Well, I have some assignments. Yeah. <laughs> Captain. Um, I... Do these individually, um, as I know, uh, I would like to approach them. Uh, no, actually, I want to, uh, I, I extend invitations to meet in um, the captain's ready room. Um, and uh, I extend one to Prawl and Sindari uh, Lacat and Asmi Shanto um, as the first sort of chunk block of okay. time. Sure. And we'll say Captain Saul has delegated the use of the ready room for this specific occasion. Mm -hmm. um, it's a captain spot. Is Saul? It's a captain spot, and they're not there. <laughs> is Saul going to be present for this? Hmm. Uh. I don't think, I mean, certainly not. There's no, there's no place for a Captain Emeritus that's what, that's in that, that. Assume, but, uh, that but they are going to uh, ping Exio about at least one of those. Would you like um, to do ping? that first? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Exio's sort of sitting behind the desk and sort of taking it in. She has placed the black box that you made as her desk ornament. It's a reminder. Um, Damn it, Sam has to roll Kleros. Go for Exio. Where are you? I hear you're about to be making the assignments and I wanted to tell you something very quickly before you did. Oh, I, I'm in one of the spots you're avoiding, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> and I whoosh through like I didn't already know. <laughs> like the, the, the Saul version of the blip. Um, <gasps> it's loud and comes with just wind. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Is that what I do? My. <laughs> I'm never going to stop. Look, I don't have your grace. This is what you've got to deal with. But, look, so I heard that you want the cat. I plan on extending an offer, but the decision will be up to her. 
<laughs> it's around, but there is also this. I got approval for it. I'm going to slide the pad across with a duty assignment. What is it? It's, look, she's junior. Hmm. We both know she's junior. There's only so far we can bump her up on flagships. But this intrepid here, it's a science vessel and it could use an XL. I know. I'm the worst. You really are, Captain. <laughs> seeing as I spent my entire afternoon seeing how I could make her the Exio of this ship. Look, if you've got the juice for it, if you can get a lieutenant up into a Flagship XO spot, we go for it. We go for it now. I learned from you. You got a hologram in the captain's chair. Only important thing I've ever done in Starfleet. <sighs> I'll present both options. Are you kidding? She can be XO for you. I just sort of toss the pad halfway down the desk. But Captain, Captain, remember, it feels really good to hear all of the offers. Even if the rest aren't good enough. And they don't even look, they just reach out halfway down the desk with those real long limbs. Yeah. And they just slide. <laughs> the <pad back> up. <sighs> I plan on taking of the Shackleton. We have to make sure she does science. There is an entirely new world. Right, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And look at how many times we ended up saving galaxies instead. Just do enough science. Make her scan things. Go have a meeting. So many scans. Captain. Captain. I take your hand. <sighs> you can trust me. Never a doubt. No, I know, but... Both you and <laughs> Chief Tech and, and Prawl and Shanto and... You all just keep lifting each other up. But I've been watching the whole time too. I know what to do. And they'll know what to do. Being absolute never felt so good. I'm a part of this ship, Captain. 
forever. You're bigger than this ship. She's a part of you. Don't let her hear you say that. I said it. Yeah. And I'm not the one who has to deal with the consequences anymore. And I turn up and I start walking out. Of the hey, hey, hey. Any holes in the ship, you take them out on her. And just the door closes behind Saul in mid-speech. Um, we're going to do a quick cut then to Jane standing in front of Exio, having been presented an offer. And Exio, you can detail specifically what that offer was. Uh, you get presented two letters of, uh, of offerings to be the Exo aboard the Intrepid class or the, or, um, or the Ross and Exio, um, is saying, uh, and either choice you make, I, I, I explain that I intend to keep the ship in the Shackleton expanse and that my main focus will be to, um, as I've just been informed that um, the ambassador will be taking their leave as well, that I intend to keep this vessel as a science and diplomatic con first contact exploratory vessel with its original mission of finding new and wonderful things out in the Shackleton. And probably a few hiccups here and there. Um, but with every, whichever choice that you choose, um, uh, I will, uh, I have in my power to make sure that your partner is transferred with you or not. I think that Jane is taking all of this in with just shock. And you, Exio, are one of the people who definitely clocked her as someone who is actually very expressive, even though she doesn't know she's expressive. Yeah. Um, I knew I, I, she sees your hesitation and like, look like is like, I'll give you more time to think by talking no, a little no, more. No, I, I know okay. what I want right now because it doesn't really feel like a choice. I, when I joined the crew of the Ross, you were assigned as my counselor and I switched you out almost immediately. It felt too personal. I didn't want that for us. I made do with the counselor that I had and they were very good. Let me, <laughs> let me clarify, but you and I, we were never, we were never really on the same page until we were down in that hole together. And, and you let me walk through a door and you said, I will be here to pull you back. And I was staring down that species, that 8472 <laughs> vessel, and I thought <laughs> I, I was the end of it. And then I tugged twice and you pulled me back. And 
I can't imagine exploring space with anyone else. And I don't think anyone else would have let me get away, get away with that. And so I think it has to be you. It has to be you. I think we should also talk to Chief Tech. I know that he's staying on Narendra, but I hear he has a really good solution for incompatible workflows. Like <laughs> dancing. Uh, Exio leans forward and just goes, where do you think he learned it from? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and I want you to know, uh, not only am I incredibly honored, um, but the reason I so deeply am glad that you said what you said is because I felt the same way. And to be honest, I think that I would function very well with someone that doesn't always see the way that I do. And you are never afraid to tell me. I'm so continue, continue to call me out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm here <laughs> for the hiccups too. We're going- Oh, I know. You are by <laughs> far the most capable officer in far too many fields. So you're gonna be perfect. I'm honored. Thank you, Captain. Commander. <sighs> I'm gonna, it's gonna take some getting used to. <sighs> it won't. Trust me. Yeah. All right. Commander, What's... Lieutenant, or the cat. Dismissed. Thank you. Um, so with that, adding to the scuttlebutt is not only this, the news of your promotion of Lieutenant Commander the cat, but yeah. the news of you becoming the new XO of the USS Ross. So there's a lot of buzz going on. And Dr. Yana does a really good job of teasing you about all of this. Um, Olin is very proud of their uh, little sister. Oh, <laughs> also, like the second Jane proposed to Azmi, two minutes later, Olin gets a help. Text. Uh, <laughs> and so that's all you've been fielding is just nice. panic um all right as promotions are handed out and duty assignments happen one by one ox crew and whatnot hug and say goodbyes as the crew is uh some stay on the uss ross and some are reassigned some are waiting for their new duty assignments on the new Intrepid class that is coming out to replace the USS Ross for studies out here in the Shackleton Expanse. Um, and with that, as everything takes place, the moment comes where it's time for the USS Ross to head back to Starbase One. And Chief Tech, you were joined by a few of the members of the ox crew as you stand we're, upon the we're in scants on the promenade <laughs> um 
looking out onto the window as you see the USS Ross pulling out of space dock, getting ready for her long month long couple of month long journey back to Starbase One. You know you're going to see her again, but you know it won't be the same. The crew on board will be different when she returns. A lot of the familiar faces, but you know. This is the last time that the Ross you knew is going to be leaving and a new Ross will be returning. You watch her as she pulls out of space dock at maneuvering thrusters before finally gaining speed and warping out of the system. Clear skies, Captain. It's two months to reconnect with the crew, stretch your legs, move about the ship, exchange stories with some of the Ox crew. There's a couple of stops in Klingon space and a couple of stops at star bases as more duty assignments get shifted until finally the day comes when you are within range of Earth's space dock. So it feels like it wasn't that long ago. The moment you got on board the USS Ross, there was an emergency with her warp core with interdimensional slug creatures that Exio had to beam into the middle of the warp chamber to save the ship. It was important of all the things that were going to be happening to you the moment that took place. The memories come flooding back to you as you receive recognition to initiate docking procedures at Starbase One. When the USS Ross pulls into space dock, you see a couple of the other ships here at space dock. But there is a sudden sort of profound finality to the sound of the docking completion as you realize your last journey as the captain of this vessel has just been completed and you hear moorings in place and we're docked there's a moment so where you're about to say your whatever the next word's about to come out of your mouth when Vryn stands up at a seat and turns towards you and says, Captain on the bridge, everyone suddenly reacts and faces you, Captain Saul. Captain Saul, on behalf of the crew of the USS Ross, we've put together something for you. Sir. Uh, going away present. You think just because I am not in charge of this ship, I cannot bring down the full four pips of wrath? What have you done? We threw together something that we thought you might use or at least want with you on the USS Sovereign, sir, since she's going to be such a pretty ship. Um, we figured you should take a piece of the Ross with her, make her beautiful. And he comes over to you and he presents you with what looks like a little hollow projector. Either Chief Singh was in on this, or he'll have your hide for taking pieces of the Ross out of it. Thank you. It looks like it's got an activation button on it that's blinking. Oh, stars help me. 
Standing three feet tall with a long stretched out neck is a very active holographic goose that immediately begins throwing its wings open and flapping violently right in front of you. Um, you can hear that it immediately starts making a ruckus, just going, <laughs> the crew immediately, everyone starts cheering and you hear laughter as the goose begins to like run in circles around you as you're standing there at the captain's chair. Um, and then you hear Vryn say, three cheers for Captain Nazari Soul. And you hear in straight naval fashion as everyone says, hip, hip, hooray. They just do it right there on the bridge. It's honk, honk, hooray, Eric. <laughs> as Nishanto immediately throws up her hands and starts shouting at you. Mm -hmm. um, everybody, when the thing is done and the, <laughs> the deed is done and the hologram deactivates, um, <clears throat> Prawl says, Command Captain Exio? Yes. Permission to escort the captain to transport a room one. I'll join. I'd like to take that trip too. Hmm. One by one, you all move towards the turbo lift. And Sol, you look at that bridge one more time. No better ship in space. The bridge crew is lined up. You see Lacat standing just in front of the exo chair at the bridge. Asmi Shanto, tears in her eyes, just chin up, smiling at you. Um, you hear someone, the bosun whistle begins to blow and everyone stands at attention as you step onto the turbo lift one last time. This is coming with me, but it stays with all of you. No holes. I turn around. I, I, I swear, I probably turn around before they see it. Yeah. I, I turn around before they see it. Transporter Room 1 has the new acting engineer of the USS Ross, Chief Singh, standing at his old duty station as Transporter Chief. When you enter the room, you see Lieutenant Dari is by his side, smiling. And uh, as you walk in, your duffel bag is ready for you on the transporter pad. There's a gathering of people as you step onto the transporter pad, Captain. Okay, this is just overkill, honestly. I never did a darn thing for any of you, and I'm not starting now just because we're getting... Dari steps forward first and extends her hand and says, Sir, it's been an honor. Thank you for tolerating me. Easy to tolerate brilliance. Stepping forward is Chief Singh says, Captain, I don't have words. Thank you. Thank you for always getting us where we needed to go. 
the door opens and Vryn comes running in and goes, Sorry, I just, after you walked into the turbo lift, I totally forgot <laughs> that I was coming with you uh, to, to say goodbye. And uh, had to, to wait till the other turbo lifts came and then. <laughs> uh, and now I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Just, um, uh, has anyone said thanks for tolerating me yet? I did. Okay, uh, thank you for putting up with me, Captain. Friend, when I first met you, I asked you to figure out something to do, how to make yourself useful, and you thought all you could do was fly, and now the commander who's driving this boat We'll come up with all sorts of nonsense at the drop of a hat, and I could not be more proud. You are brilliant and creative, and if I ever get a single cent of that self-deprecation, I will find you. And so will this. I'll toss the ball underhand for him to catch it as his now. And catches it and looks at it and says, I'm going to be a captain one day. And I'm going to let him know where this came from. And I bounce it off the back of my helmsman's head. <laughs> my true legacy. Um, you didn't know McCrell was in there because she's so short and really <laughs> back, but she was. <laughs> oh and she's gonna kinda like push her way through and just go, um, Captain. I hid parts of myself from Starfleet and from me too. But thank you for helping me accept every little bit of myself. Thank you and for keeping all the little bits of us together. I had help. We have really good medical equipment. <laughs> medical uh, equipment's I'm... cheap. Doctors like you? There's only one in the galaxy. And I'm gonna, uh, with your permission, grab your hand and be like, I think I have this one right. Wherever you go, there you are. Nailed it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to back up. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you put a nail into things. It means you did what? And I move on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. With a hammer. Right. Exio sort of starts to push you forward onto the um just to get a small moment slightly away from the crowd mm -hmm. and says um i'm about to say something and i don't want you to reply because this is what you do captain you just have to accept what i'm about to say and do not counter it and throw it back 
I know, it's gonna be hard. Yes, Captain. Thank you. I could not have done what I'm doing now without you. And I know I can hear your response. No, you're amazing and you would have done it all on your own. But the truth is, Captain, you were the only person that looked at my resume and took a meeting with me. If I had never met you, I'd still be on a lab in San Francisco instead of seeing all of the amazing things that you brought to my life. I might have seen it one day, but you gave it to me when I needed it, when I was ready. So thank you. My hug. Let me know what you two get up to. And looks back at the ambassador. I can't wait. I couldn't be prouder. I step back into the crowd. Um, as you step back up onto the transporter pad, Captain, stepping out from the crowd, Gary Prawl, with a very serious look on his face, steps forward and very uncharacteristically approaches you without really giving any indication of what he's up to. But he steps away from the crowd and he steps very close to you. And he says, Captain. Thank you for helping me realize that Explorer Prawl made it through the war. Come here. You put your arms around him and he stiffens a little bit and returns the hug. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. Oh, Keep them safe. You know it. Keep you safe, too. Aye, sir. He steps off the transporter pad, and you see there's just a moment waiting for when you're ready to transport to energize captain i think if jane is there i think she wants to say one last thing i think she just makes that contact and it's just we'll race you hmm i don't take bets i lose permission to leave the ship captain permission granted captain 
sing says, energizing. An ambient blue glow surrounds Captain Azari's cell. You hear that familiar chiming sound of the transporter being activated. Moments later, the ship is yours. So, that was two months ago. You are wrapping up your assignments here in San Francisco, going through the very last of a very familiar task process, one that began some time ago, one that has finally come to an end, a process that is best described by, well, the interaction that you have is the door opens to your room here at Starfleet Command, and Captain Rogan leans in the doorway and goes, it's my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. How's and the little then, one? Good. Doing quite well. My present to myself is I finally found your next chief science officer. Strides into the room and clatters down the data pad right in front of you and says, and look, I know I helped you assemble the crew of the USS Ross. I know I'm good, but this, this is my magnum opus. Check that out. You brought me Exio. Don't set yourself this bar. Take a look at the data pad. All right. Who is it? It is a young Orion boy, probably about 21 years old, who tested into the enlistment program and with their intelligence and expertise has qualified to be chief petty officer at their age. An astonishing achievement. Now, no official rank has been given, but recommendations have been made. And Rogan has put at the bottom annotation, hold for sovereign by request of Captain Rogan. And says, when he sees you staring at the pad, he goes, yeah, you know, it's like word travels or something. But um, I pull the string here, string there, and, you know, ranking and all that crap. But that kid, I don't know. I think it's worth taking a chance on him. What do you think? I think he deserves the best. Ross needs a science officer. Well then, I could deliver good news. When do you ship out? We just got word this morning, so it's only gonna be a couple more days. That's, that's the plan. Everything is now as of yesterday, official over on my 
former ship. Well, I don't know if you heard, but USS Ross has already made a new discovery back at Shackleton Expanse. Of course. Only one? I'm disappointed. Exio found an entire planet made of crystal. They I think did. that it's the remnants of some ancient super weapon. What do you think that can mean? Probably nothing bad, right? A giant magnifying glass the size of a planet pointed somewhere? I'm sure that doesn't have repercussions. <sighs> I am they so glad I am not a starship captain. Leave me in San Francisco. Thank you very much. I enjoy the food. I enjoy the hospitality. I enjoy the blue skies. Do you I'm plan to talk their ear off forever, or are you going to go now? I just love my job. That's all. And I'm good at it. And he walks out. The best. And yeah, Olin was walking up the hall, like behind Rogan at the time. Um, they're dressed in civvies. Um, okay. They just kind of, you know, come in as the door is closing behind Rogan. It's official. Everything's official. It's time. They're all going to be so mad. I Is take that... the first pip off of my collar and put it on the desk. Okay. So are you going to be coming with me? Second. I have no assignment. I had an extra berth booked for you, just in case. The plan is to go visit Taraz first. Oh, I didn't get the chance to meet him. I still haven't. He's not worth it. Don't be charmed. He's terrible. And we're going to be running. Well, not technically running. Technically, I'm retiring. I'm doing everything by, by the book, other than leaving a flagship of Starfleet in the lurch. I'm sure they have a wealth of captains to choose from. None so good as you, but a wealth nonetheless. Oh, well, certainly one better, but she's busy. She is that. Well, the cat I... is going to have words to say when she finds out about this. At worst. I might inspire her. <laughs> so, you set that last pip down right next to a data pad that has a, a waiting letter of resignation ready to transmit. Yeah. Your duffel bag by the door. Your Starfleet communicator sitting on your desk. I believe you promised me an adventure once. Let's go to space. Com badge down. I take their hand. Snatching up the duffel bag, you step out. And the two of you exit out of Starfleet under a blue Earth sky. The Sovereign won't be getting a Captain Azari Sol. But as you glance up heading towards the spaceports, you know that just beyond that great big blue sky, 
out there in the dark, the USS Ross under the command of Exio, Captain, is exploring brave new worlds and boldly going where no one has gone before. Uh, I will say, can we cut to just Exio receiving Captain Rogan's resumes and mm-hmm. notes and notes the reserved for Sovereign? Knows that that means that something's not right. Slams it down in her lap and just <sighs> it's always got to be a surprise with you, didn't it? She looks forward and just says, Go live your life, Azure soul. Why aren't we going faster? <laughs> and then it just <laughs> sounds like it's a permission to punch it. <laughs> punch it. <gasps> That's your captain phrase. Why aren't just we going faster? It. No, that too. <laughs> Friends, these have been the voyages of the USS Ross. Long may she fly. Queers. Thank you all so much for this campaign. Thank you so much for this game. Uh, thank you everyone at home who has gone on this journey with us from start to finish. We have more to come. There are so many more adventures that Streampunks plan on having. There's more characters out there to explore, more things to see, um, more stories to tell. But this has been absolutely fantastic and um couldn't have done it without you ox crew thank you so much for making this possible thank you jake thank you so much for giving us a home and letting the stream punks come and play clear skies here on monday nights um you all can look forward to seeing more stream punks productions here on q times in the future and stay tuned for announcements that are coming down the pipe from the patreon with that, however, it is time to bid us a very good night. Thank you for joining us again on this, our last Star Trek adventure together. Hailing frequencies are closed.